ready, guys? Yes. Okay. Cleveland Moto Podcast. We're going. Is this 312? 312. Jesus Christ. 312. Light them up. I can't uh, wait till 412. My I know, favorite right? vehicle of all time. Yeah. So, <laughs> Phil, in honor of you and whoever else served, I am uh, supporting the troops today with uh, special operations, hoperations, IPA oh, from uh, Fathead. And uh, this goes to support uh, our veterans and other people yourself. So it's good. Good. I think it goes to uh, the honor flight. Oh, oh honor, the honor flight. Really? I filmed an honor flight, man. That was the most amazing experience in my life. We took um, with my company, we um, these dudes from New Hampshire, a uh, IBEW flew down 50 guys and we filmed the whole thing. And these guys were all from like, I wish my dad could have gone. It was all from the Korean War. And they were all like 85 and stuff. We took them to the Arlington Cemetery and all the stuff. It was emotional as shit, man. I cried more than I even want to admit. It was really beautiful. And you know who was there? I never liked him as a politician, but you know who was there on a Saturday during a rainstorm to salute all the guys in his wheelchair was Bob Dole. Oh, really? Bob Dole was there. Like, he literally, he didn't have to be. It was raining. It was shitty. Like, we were, like, having umbrellas and all this other stuff. And he was there, sitting in a chair, there to say hi to all the veterans that were coming through that day. So, stand up, dude. Yeah. Sorry. The, uh, you spurred that by saying was the, the, the Bob Dole. Bob Dole says Bob Dole. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah with the pen, yeah. The, uh, well, that's, that's fucking cool. You guys can see my background? Yes, sir. Pajero. Yep. Sold that. Ah, nice. That's good. The, that's going. That's going to somewhere in St. Louis. What about the mint one that like you had me like checking what I could sell to buy today? When you the, the, the blue pick. one? Yeah, yeah. The blue one's perfect, and I've got a guy trying to buy that. He's gonna. He's. Uh, I think he's from Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken. So, and he's, uh, he went out and he was like, uh, of course he's like, well, take a, I, I need you to take a lot more pictures of it. And I'm gonna be like, you know what? I bought this car from Japan with 12 grainy pictures, right? <laughs> All the way from fucking Japan. I mean, Steve Hofford has seen the process that we go through when we buy these cars. Right. And a lot of it is Pretty. knowing exactly what to look for. Cause they ain't giving you anything over like, you know, 120k you know there i mean these these pictures are junk that you're looking at on these sites and uh it really is it's 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 really tough to buy these things if you don't have somebody looking at them overseas did you look at your video because your video pretty much covered things pretty well even opened the hood you could see the car was clean and i wish to fucking god that the people in japan that sold these cars spent one one hundredth of the energy that i spend describing them and shooting videos of them and everything else. Mm-hmm. And I think if people here in the United States who are buying these cars from from guys like me appreciated how much effort we put into it compared to how much data they get in Japan, yeah, it'd be a totally different experience. I mean, I only live in Pittsburgh. Can't you just bring it down so I can take a look at it? Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm only in Pittsburgh. Just drive it to my house. Just pull it up in my driveway so I can take a look at it. Yeah. So anyway, so that's... that's I'd say that. no problem as long as you got a pile of cash waiting for me. Yeah. So hey, I got a question for our pod, for our all of our act, our, our people here, active members, and we got seven people. That's fucking great. Here's the question: with taking everything in consideration, financial picture, what's going on on the ground, houses getting repossessed, people not having work, unemployment drying up, or whatever it is, I don't care what metric you want to use. Just tell me, do you think that 2021? is going to sell more or less motorcycles than 2020. 
I think it's an availability issue. I, dude, do not. I, I want a one word answer. Yes no. or no? No. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So you guys think that 2021 is going to represent more motorcycle sales at my shop than I had in 2020? I well, think no. I think it'll be close. No for me. More. Yes. Well, is the stimulus coming or not? The new I, again, guys. More. Stop answering your question with a question. I need a yes or a no. So raise your I hand have... and say yes or no. More. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. More. So now, I think no. I think no because availability. I don't think there's going to be enough to sell. Okay. So you're right. the tiebreaker, Phil. Okay. So no, this is. I already fucking know the answer. <laughs> I've looked into my crystal ball next for next year. I can. They don't you, call them the Oracle for nothing. Yeah, I, I can absolutely tell you what's going to happen next year because I was able to figure out what was going to happen last year by March 14th. And the good news is, is I was on target. Okay. But here's the thing. Right now, Wells Fargo. Do you guys have an appreciation for how much debt in the United States is owned by Wells Fargo? Wait a bit of it. <laughs> right. So the vast majority of uh, motorcycles and cars and boats and RVs that are financed in the United States are finances. Exactly. Financed through Wells Fargo. And Wells Fargo just released a piece of information that is fucking terrifying. And that is in the last quarter of this year, of 2020, right? So in the last quarter of 2020, they have had a 30% failure in loan payoff, in buying down loans. And that's what they call a loan loss, okay? And so this is a crazy number, and I looked into it because this is one of the numbers that I use when I'm figuring out how many bikes I'm gonna buy for next year. And it turns out that the biggest company in America that, that controls the items that you buy on time, they have set themselves up with the highest amount of default reserves that their company has ever had. And they have experienced the greatest single solitary loss in any quarter in the history of their company. Well, to add to that, yeah. I have on very good source from firsthand information <laughs> That PNC expects a 50% mortgage default rate. Wow. And, and that's the kind of thing that yeah. we want people to be aware of because a lot of people that have had what's called forbearance, a lot of people who have been enjoying what's called forbearance, are that's all coming due now. So a lot of the programs that allowed you to kind of let the let the interest slide on your mortgage or let the interest slide on your rent or your lease, those programs all ended on January 31st. Mm. Well, and you know, my, my uh, little bit of experience with utilities, like yeah. they weren't shutting anybody off or anything like that, but that the rubber's gonna hit the road soon and come spring, there's gonna be turnoffs, there's gonna be shutoffs. And when you don't have any utilities, that's the first thing you're gonna wanna try to pay even if you're living in a house that you know is going to get foreclosed. Right. And so, yeah, so, I'm so happy I sold my house yep. and a payoff should go to Wells Fargo here with like next week. And I'll be free and clear of that house and have a big check on top of it. But I wouldn't want to be the person who just bought that house by any means. Now, here's the crazy. Here's another crazy thing. Everybody who's been let slide on mortgage payments, on lease payments, on loans of certain sorts, 
when those come due, you're going to owe the principal and you're also going to owe the back interest. So when they do give you a forbearance or they do let you slide on the interest, they're not saying the interest is free. They're just pushing deferring it, it. They're just yeah, they're pushing deferring it, it. road. And unfortunately, what I fear is going to happen to a lot of our potential customers is that they are going to have uh, the motorcycle payment for the bike they bought eight months ago, the truck payment, the RV payment, and then they're going to have all the interest coming due on all the other stuff that they were kind of letting slide on. Plus, they had that sweet, sweet extra $600 a week on top of their unemployment money. All going to go away at the same time. Another big thing, too, is the way... (laughs) Cuyahoga County is screwing with you. Like they were so lazy. They didn't take out one of your, like, okay, so I pay tax. Like it comes out every month. Right. So they just skipped a month without telling anybody. And then they just take that payment and they add it onto your taxes, but then they don't even collect the tax on the right day. So like normally it's like the fifth of every month that like the money comes out. Right. Well, they added, one sixth of your payment or one twelve, whatever it is, mm-hmm. onto your tax payment. Right. Charge you like three weeks late and then gig you again in two like a week later. So it's like what the fuck are these county people doing? They're at home like JJI in it? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh it's and ridiculous. You gotta be be super careful of that people. If you're paying anything on time, if you're making installment payments on anything, that what Steve's talking about is exactly right. There have been these sort of like, oh, we didn't collect it from you. You tried to make a payment. We had made payments on our mortgage for our company and those mortgage payments were returned to us without our permission, without asking us about it. Our mortgage payments were actually returned to us. And then we got a notice 60 days later saying that we didn't make these payments or that we owed the interest on these payments going back 60 days. Now, this was nothing that we'd asked anyone to do. We make our payments electronically, automatically on our mortgage. And what it was saying is it was just saying, oh, well, we've automatically given you some space. We've automatically said we're not going to take your payments. But those payments, of course, go on to the back end. And again, these banks make their money on penalties and fees. So anything they can do, it might seem like, well, I'm a small fish. What's a penalty and a fee going to be for me? 70, 80, 90 bucks? Well, well, I used to do credit and collections and that whole moving the payment to the end of your loan thing yeah. is really good in the short term, but in the long term, you end up paying a lot more money and then you end up with a balloon payout where you're like, okay, that's the last payment on my mortgage. No, what happens is all those payments come do it at once. So I guess what I would tell people who listen to this podcast is if you are paying for a motorcycle on time, if you've got a loan out, keep in mind that these people that loaned you the money to buy the motorcycle do not have your finances in their best interest. And I think that we're going to come into a period here in 2021 where these banks are going to be taking advantage of it because with college loans and everything else, keep in mind the school got paid. The institution got paid. The bank bought that debt and they sold that debt to other banks and they pushed that debt around for many, many years And it's the interest on that debt that kills you, whether it's the interest on your car loan, your motorcycle loan, your house loan, or anything. It's all that interest. And people buy that debt. It's a crazy market. Don't be a victim in that situation. Don't allow all of a sudden 
even though you've been making your payments on time, for you to be liable for something stupid like $40 of deferred interest that now you owe a $70 penalty on. They, they also bet on that debt so that either they will bet on you to fail to pay it and then they get the insurance money for you failing to pay your debt instead yeah. of just having the bank pay off your debt. They can, you can have 10 guys betting on your debt to fail and then they get paid off all your debt when you fail. And so the, I mean, all these derivatives are crazy. You it think, is crazy. You think this twenty-seven trillion dollars is something, but the debt, the derivative market is probably what's the net, what's three zeros after the trillion? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like gazillions. I mean, who knows? And, it's and, like, to your, and to your point, I had not so much a well, kind of a loan or whatever, but it was uh, through this thing, and we had paid it off. Like it was like the like we had like three payments left, and I got I had a huge job and I had some extra money, so I sent them like the eight hundred dollars to cover all three. It was done. We were paying off the loan, but as we were doing that, they sold the remainder of the loans, and so like even though we got paperwork from one place that said our loan was paid off, all of a sudden I started getting calls from this other place saying that we owed them like a thousand dollars and it was going up and stuff, and it took me a year of my time and my life going back and forth and calling these companies to get the one company to acknowledge to the other company that yes we paid off the loan and that when they dig bulk dump this pile of loans to this other company they did it kind of prematurely for some of the people that were paying off their loans so it can be a real pain in the ass when they do that kind of shit too sucks it's payoff timing is very important that's why you usually get a payoff letter it's only good for a certain span of time and if payments fall out of that they can get lost in the cracks i mean they're literally sit in a in a clearing account and it takes forever for somebody to actually go in and release that money back to you plus That's also boy, yeah go ahead steve oh i said plus also you want to find a bank that like like third federal may sell their loans off but they still service the loan so you want to find a bank that actually services their own loan that way there's like some uh, continuity in payments and everything yeah. So they sell the debt, but but you're still paying through the, the same bank. And uh, you go through some of these banks, and you don't know who you're paying. Every other week, you're, they're selling your loan to somebody else. Somebody else. So. When I bought my house, I made exactly one payment on it to the mortgage company, and it was sold to Wells Fargo by the next time I got it instantly got sold off to Wells Fargo. So, and that's another thing, too. Um, we still have certain bills at our shop that we do have to pay by mail. And wouldn't you know, in the last 45 days, we've had two monthly cycles of these certain bills that the mail didn't get there in time. So we all know you receive a, you receive a bill, you've got about 11 days to pay that bill. Um, before yeah, it's going to start yeah. charging you late charges. And uh, a, a bill that we have to pay to Key Bank and another bill that we pay out, both of them didn't make their destination in time using Uncle Sam's postal service. So, well, that's a, something that people don't really realize about automated payments yeah. is that they're not really that automated. It's usually just your bank is going to mail out a check to somebody, uh, to whoever you designated to, and it actually goes out via the mail. And if that gets messed up, you know what do you do you know it can be late it can be lost it it just like it's not really an electronic transfer i didn't even know about that i had absolutely no idea about that and that's why we get lulled into this false sense of security that if i'm doing it on my iphone that payment happens instantly 
No, not especially if you set up a if you set up an automated payment from your bank to a creditor or to a, a bill or whatever. All your bank is doing is cutting a check and mailing it out on a certain date. Okay, I mean that's that's something you got to be. What I, the reason I'm bringing this up is we had to we have to look forward and we have to order our bikes for our shop a year in advance. Um, it would be crazy for me to ask you to order your food for November and December right now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would, can do it. Let's just I'll need 1,000 pounds of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know my wife. I know Dr. Waters could do it. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind she could do it. She will need one metric ton of broccoli. <laughs> yeah. One uh, ton's nine. <laughs> she just said one ton's not enough. Tell <laughs> me one of your containers of dirt. So um, at our household, we have uh, we have uh, the shopping that I do at Aldi, which is like human food. And then we have this that my wife eats. This is what my wife eats. Yes. That's what she eats. That's what I used to eat when I raced bicycles. That was my protein powder, man. This this is seriously, she mixes this with an impossibly small amount of water to make what I like to call a caulk. Caulk. Yeah. So yeah, Dr. Waters is always stuffing caulk in her mouth. The uh Whoa. (laughs) But isn't that that was that was chocolate, so that would make that a black caulk. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Only. Only. Yeah, that's. So I, we're gonna have a cock. Uh, I haven't seen her have any white cock in a long time. Yeah. I like how the tubs though they're they're big for the black cokes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and, and not joking. You should get her a T-shirt that says "Don't get cocky." Don't get cocky. Yeah. The uh, this Don't stuff when she's done with it, it looks like mud, and she made me two portions of it, like two different versions of this, and it is completely unpalatable i mean this stuff is it is just like i would use it as an adhesive for other things but the idea of eating it and and you know what don't give me any fake sugar ever never give me fake sugar give me real sugar or give me nothing and that stuff is just like like stevia it's awful the inside of my mouth tastes oh yeah serious you know what i'll keep the extra 15 pounds yeah, that's what I say. You could be just like a rabbit, and you ruminate it. It goes in one end, comes out the other. You eat it again, it goes in one end, comes out the other. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that if I ate this stuff on a regular basis, I would shit a baseball bat. There's just no way that anything in there could be part of my normal operating You'd system. Tackle the bowl shut. It would just. Like, it wouldn't even look like there's a hole. <laughs> it's just a mess, man. But. So that is one of those things we where was just what I was talking about is because we have to order our stuff a year in advance because I have to actually place an order a year looking forward. One of my manufacturers who will remain nameless Piaggio has managed to tell me that even though we were the number one dealer in our district, the number six dealer in North America, period. I mean, Cleveland, guys, Cleveland. I don't need to show you on the map where it snows, but... We are where it snows, and they expected me to do 154 bikes, 10 more bikes next year than we did this year. And I'm going to assure you, the financial prognosis of much smarter people than me is not that Americans are going to have more disposable income next year. Right. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, you think 2020 was bad. Wait till the whole honeymoon and wait till all these subsidies and all this help goes away. 2021 is going to be the hard time. 
Right. Who on this who on this podcast this year went on a vacation to Europe? <laughs> exactly. No. Nobody, because no. we weren't allowed to. The Jets don't go there, right? None of us went on a big two-week-long vacation with our families. Why? Because everything's closed. We didn't go to Disney, whatever. It's oh, not right. open. The opportunities to spend money. I went on vacation for three weeks. I think it's interesting, though. Without my family, and that was the idea. Right. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, because I think it's really going to be a situation of haves and have-nots. Some people are going to get hit hard and they're going to be the have nots. Yeah. But that some people are going to save money and come out uh, like we're doing well because we budgeted everything. We made the right moves. I'm still working. You know, we're managing, you know, we we're still managing to keep, keep healthcare. We're still managing to, to do our shit. We're actually looking great. Like Peggy's looking like, you know, someday when grandma's, done <laughs> we might take that big european vacation uh, yeah, yeah. don't talk don't talk right now because i at 1439 days i'm canning your ass <laughs> thank you thank you thank you hey look i'm saving 400 dollars a month because porco's closed right yes yes mr hofford sir whatever you want sir we'll no, kind of nailed something so like so like you know we haven't done anything all i've done is ride occasionally on weekends with you guys and that's pretty much been my you know whatever so like any money that we would have done going out to eat or whatever we put toward bills some of the the stimulus money that we we got we didn't really you know it, we don't have a lot of money but we we're like well we could blow this or we could do something smart with it and we paid off bills so like this last we banked our stimulus we banked our tax return we we're banking so I'm saying like, you know, like we're bringing our debt down. So maybe in a year or two, like we'll be actually in a pretty good situation. So it all depends on what you're doing with this time. Like, yeah, I mean, if somebody hands you a check and you go out and buy a motorcycle, that helps fill, but it might not be the greatest thing for your own personal thing. Although if you I, use I, that check to buy it in cash, that's great. But if you just use it for a down payment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah done. Stupid. I think so. I think this is just something that I would like. I mean, I know that we're a bunch of jackasses. I know that being us is what we do best, but ultimately I, I do, I do want people to have a great time. I mean, I want people to really have some fun. And what I would hate to see is I'd hate to see anybody get financially hobbled because they did something like, Oh, well, you know, I've got this stimulus money and I'm gonna get an extra 600 to my unemployment every week. This is the perfect time to buy a $32,000 truck on payments for the next six years. You know, so uh, or, you know, buy a twenty three thousand dollar motorcycle. Right? But I think all of us are the type of people that don't ever really go out and buy that fifty thousand dollar pickup truck. You know, that's true. That's true. I've never owned anything new. So. Right. That's true. So it Speaking is of buying something new. I have a question for everybody here. Yeah. OK, so a friend of mine that I haven't talked to for like five years happened to call me today and What's that about? I, I'm watching you, Michael Fresh. You're on probation. <laughs> I'm listening very intently, sir. I, I, I'm so happy that I live too far away to apply for that job because I can see how this is going to work. <laughs> so anyway, this guy's going to be balls deep in my ass for the fucking rest of my life. <laughs> Ryan Cowboy. <laughs> so anyway, he um, I had a nice conversation with him, and he ended up, uh, as, he has a 1996 Triumph Thunderbird 900, and he's got- We have some experience with those. Well, I'm saying it's a 24,000 miles on it, and he's done 
let's just say the bare minimum to it. And he's looking at like um, maintenance expenses to, you know, at the 24,000 mile point, and he has to add a couple extra things to it. So he wants to know whether or not he should sell the bike and buy a new bike, and he wants to keep it under 10 grand or just put the money into the bike and you know keep this bike is what what his rider is his uh, riding habits are like uh just like not interstates but like just like off interstate no dirt but uh and maybe 150 to 300 mile days he's he's ridden this thing across country yep one time and he's ridden it on the autobahn for two years because he was overseas and he had it overseas and he rode it there so he does like the bike but he wants to replace it with something and my question to everybody is what should he do should he replace it and what should he replace it with wow well, my vote is he should replace it because i had one of those motors apart yeah. and i saw something that scared the shit out of me Yep. And I would never buy one of those bikes. Fair, fair enough. I totally agree because it was my bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what was that, it? What scared you? Well, I'll I'll go ahead. And Am I at you. liberty to discuss? <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you the circumstances first. So Doctor and Water, Doctor Waters and I were out ripping around on our bikes. Okay, and she was on her SV650, and I was on the Triumph Thunderbird Sport. Coincidentally, in 1996, and I love the Thunderbird Sport. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, the Triumph Triple 900 motor is a beast. It is so much fun, and it's a bike that's nice to look at too because it looks like a vintage Triumph. It has the right flavor, and it's you know, red, mine was red with the black inserts and stuff. And it's a really good looking bike, and for a person my size, it fits really well. And we were ripping around the neighborhood as you do and you know we were on a day that we we're like three hours out having a blast and so when Merritt's on the SV650 she's she's going along pretty great and uh, I was on the Triumph TBS and you know kind of cane in it and then some people call it the super chicken but really I had really hadn't worked the bike super hard all day but this was one of those things where you're like three miles from your house and so when you're three miles at the house you're like everything is light speed you know, every time the light goes green, it's a maximum performance takeoff. And that's what we were doing. So we were in the. If I'm going to blow it up, I might as well blow it up within walking distance of my house. Of course. Right. Of course. And so we were maybe three stoplights or four stoplights away from our house. We were in an industrial area where there's no traffic. And so when we whipped around the corner, I saw that Merritt was going to stab that SV. And I was like, look, you listen. I know the SV650S is a fine and noble beast, but this TBS is going to show you something, son, right? And so when she hauled ass, I was like, I got something for you. And I just blasted that TBS. 900 cc's of fine triumph power. And it went, Wah! and it just like literally lost a leg. If you could imagine a horse taking off at a gallop and then shooting it in one of its legs, <laughs> this bike just became suck. It just turned into suck. Now, it didn't seize. It didn't stop running. It just got shitty. And so I, you know, she blasted by me, of course. I don't know. She must have thought I was, you know, mentally ill. And so I got past her for one second. But then all of a sudden, I lost everything and she kept going. So by the next stop, she pulls up at the light and she looks back at me. What the fuck's going on? And I'm like, it will barely fucking idle. I mean, I really got to cane it to keep it idling. Three carburetors, mind you. Right. And so I'm like, this is this is not good. 
limp it to the house, just doesn't have any balls. It doesn't have any power. Start thinking horrible, horrible things. Do all the stuff. Check everything out at the garage that, that could possibly be it. And I'm terrified. You know, check the fluids, check the oil, check everything. Everything's fine. Remember, this is a liquid-cooled bike. And so everything seems fine. It didn't appear to overheat. Everything was normal. So the next day, I got on the bike and I rode it to the shop, but I only took the side rows, and the performance was shit. It was not giving me even half power. And I got it to the shop, and I said, John, I feel terrible. I... You're going to have to take this thing apart, man. Well, this was actually Ryan. So that was Ryan who took it apart. That's right. It was Ryan. Yeah. I was gone. Right. And then and so, when I came back, it was all over the shop. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. We had no idea. We had absolutely no troubleshooting that would have given us a clue as to why a motor would have lost over half of its power. But, John, go ahead. Well, as it turns out, I started playing around with it. And I did, uh, so the motor was all out of it and all apart. So, I mean, there was nothing visual inside, you know, as far as the piston rings and stuff. Now, that bike actually, that's a Cosworth style motor where it's kind of, where it's like a CX-500 where the, the, the engine cases and the cylinders are all one and you just have sleeves that go down in there. So you can pull those out if you want and you can check everything. But it turned out to be what I... I believe the problem was somehow you got something. The valve seats were all bad. Like I poured gasoline, it turned the head, laid it on the bench, and it was just dribbling out all the valves. So tore down the head, relapped all the valves, put it all back together, and eventually put the bike all back together. Put the motor out of the bike. The motor. Yeah. During the diagnostic process, Ryan and I just went further and further and further until the point was we had the motor out of the bike and we were just like, fuck, man, we hate to do it. We don't want to tear the top end off this thing. We were hoping it wasn't going to be that. But so we, we got all that. But one of the what I saw that I didn't like yeah. was the cylinder studs. Right. And so it's a water jacket. The cylinder studs go down through for whatever reason, they're in water, and yeah. down at the base of them, where they where they screw into the cases, they were rusted. And they I mean, bad, like missing fifty percent of the material right where it bolts into the bottom of the cases. Yeah. So this to the point where I'm surprised they didn't break off when you were taking it apart. So the studs like, go oh. down into the, the the whatever the block or whatever you want to call it, the bottom part. But there's literally like the water that's coming through just runs right over the studs. Yeah, it was. It's it's like they were kind of sealed where they went along the side, but they got something. They were getting moisture right down where they, because wow. the whole the whole bolt was fine, but it was right down where the threads were, down where they bolt in. And it was absolutely just, the whole top of the bolt. Everything on the stud looked magical. Everything on the stud looked fantastic until you got to that last maybe maybe forty millimeters where it was actually going into the meat of the case. And John's not kidding when he says about 50% of the metal was corroded away. Wow. Was it a dielectric thing? Like, was yes. it, a, uh, it, it was a, definitely a water erosion? Yeah. or It was absolutely a loss of material. Is this a um, common thing with those bikes? Like, are, are, are people, like, like, asking for warranties and shit? Or is this, like, just a... No, I don't know. Because fortunately, most of the people, I think this might be one of those situations where the manufacturer says, okay, how long's the warranty? Nah. The bowl lasts so one extra day. These <laughs> problems don't occur in the first two years of ownership. Right. But 
now that we, John and I have talked about this, we've actually had other people tell us, oh yeah, those Triumph, those water-cooled Triumph triples, they're, they're, they're known for that. Or having a valve snag or a valve hang up. And uh, so- yeah, I can't imagine as, what made the valves leak so bad, whether it was bad fuel or somehow it sucked something in there. And it, I was trying it to really remember. wasn't, it wasn't like there was metal or there was damage to the valve seats. It was almost like you had like just carbon. They got like carboned up or something. Well, that's what I was trying here. to get correlation. Like what did the water like slip up and bend a valve or something? Like, you know I mean? I didn't get the correlation of that, but okay. No. And what we can tell you is prior to the bike, not running well, the bike ran incredibly well. Hmm. So the bike ran incredibly well and it drove me back from Chicago. I bought it in Chicago, rode it around Chicago like a rape tape, and maybe put 3,000 miles on the bike in the time that I owned it prior to this failure. But the other thing about that too is those those cylinder liners, you have to seal the bottom of them when you put them in because they can leak and you can leak and your antifreeze will go into the bottom end. And so if somebody's had the motor apart and they didn't do that right or whatever, that's also a problem. Yeah, so just uh, just a heads up, we talk about like that bike he owns right now that could be one of those things that the bike I had, there was no evidence when we took that bike apart that it had ever been apart before. The previous owner was not the kind of guy that would have done a motor rebuild on the bike. The bike had 13,000 miles on it. Um, you know, there was nothing to suggest there was anything wrong with the bike until that day that it pulled that shit. Now... I honestly thought that when the day it pulled that shit, it might have literally locked a valve, grabbed a valve, because it went from performing well to performing like garbage. But it turns out that wasn't the problem. It was all three cylinders, all three, they were leaking. Yeah. So it was really not an explosive one-time thing. It was something that was building up and waiting to happen. Then when it happened, it just happened all at once. It did. And that was one of those things that like when John took it apart and John cleaned everything up and put everything back together again, do you know the first thing on my priority list was make that bike go away. Yeah. Sell it. Yeah. Get, get rid of that bike because no matter how good John did putting it back together again, I have a really strong concept about what the factory hath assembled. Let no man disassemble. And this is one of those motors that lives for that statement. So I mean, it's a relatively simple motor, and it went back together, and it ran great after we put it back together. But I was taking no chances. No. If it got that bad in 13,000 miles from factory, I couldn't trust it for another 13,000 miles. No, and you don't so want to be... It is one of those things that I think that it's a 25-year-old motorcycle, and there's no good reason to keep it around um, when there are so many better motorcycles, and that's what you asked about. Should he should he get something different? Jesus Christ! You know, yeah, you're you're long, long and short of about a hundred horsepower and about seventy torques. There's plenty of bikes that have the word Yamaha on the side that do exactly what the TBS did. Uh, yeah, that's what I I I said basically. Um, you think like a like a. Africa Twin, 95 horsepower. Right. He's tall, so he liked that bike because he fit on it. And obviously, you're tall. I mean, you're tall too, so you fit on that Thunderbird. Right. He was looking at a, a like an early, like an earlier GS. So like a you know like the twelve the early twelve hundred GSs. Right. And I wouldn't touch. I mean, I I wouldn't touch the early twelve hundreds. But I think they're not reliable enough to touch. Right. But but if you're to spend you know seven eight thousand bucks on an early gs 
kick in the extra two to buy a couple year old uh, Honda or African Twinson sitting on the floor. I don't think anybody would argue that a BMW GS motorcycle, any of the GS family motorcycles, from the day they're new, if you ride them hard and you put 100,000 miles on that bike in three or four years, I think it's one of the best bikes in the world. But if you try to own it for 15 years and you try to put 2,000 miles on it for 15 years, you're probably not going to have a great experience by the time you get to year 15 and 16. Right. I think I think the uh, good bike for this dude, if he wants to put a lot of miles on it, a few miles. On think, it, uh, yeah, I'm saying a few. He's, I mean, like I said, he doesn't ride all that much every year. He goes on, a, you know, like, and it's all on secondary roads. So, oh, all right, ahead. well then, you know, so what about the Super Tenre, the one that I got rid of? That bike right. is indestructible. That thing's a yep. fucking tra- the 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 downfall of it is that it's a tractor. The upside to it is that it's a tractor. It's a tractor. If you change oil occasionally, if you occasionally put decent gas in it, if you actually look at it once in a while to maybe maintain it, it'll last for, you know, there's dudes that have 2012s on them that rode them three grand a year and they're still going strong. And they're like, I haven't done anything except for change oil on it. So I'm not a big fan of those just because they're like, you're right. It's like a tractor. I mean, if you look at the, how refined it is compared to a, uh, uh Honda, it's yeah, not yeah. there's no comparison no it has no character i mean i i owned it for four years i can tell you indefinitely it has no character whatsoever <laughs> but if you want if you want a tool if you want a hammer that you can bang on shit every day and you know the handle's not going to break and it's kind of comfortable in your hand and it's not going to do anything different ever then that's a great bike for you but if you want character then that's not the bike for you the same i a janice yeah. Well, you know, also the FJ09 is a great bike. So the street version of it is a great bike. And it's a triple. You can have the whole triple experience. Well, that's what I was saying, too. That's kind of what I suggested that, too. Because if he likes triples, I said, I hate, I told him nothing against your bike. I hate triples. I just have a thing against triples just because I don't like the cadence. But, I mean, that's not, it doesn't mean they're bad. It's just like who people like different things. Well, it's also which one you get though, because I've ridden a Triumph triple and it's a bit, it's a bit interesting, but the Yamaha triple is like electric. It's like an electric motorcycle. It's just smooth as shit. So, you know, Well, I like the FC09, but I agree with Steve triple suck. (laughs) Hey guys. So, uh, I know that everything's been canceled, you know, for us here in Cleveland, we've always had the International Motorcycle Show to look forward to at the end of January. That ain't happening. Um, if you live somewhere other than Cleveland, consult your local internet to find out where the local International Motorcycle Show is happening. I think the first one's happening this weekend, perhaps. Um, it's not going to It's not happening here. They have 10 now. So they have 10 and they still right. chose to dog Cleveland. But I, have, yeah, but it's an outdoor thing. It's it's logistics and other issues as well. Where would the closest one be to us? Do we know that? Pennsylvania, I think it's, uh, well, somebody will look it up while I'm talking. Yep. The uh, But here's what I'm going to tell you. Since we have no events to go to here in Cleveland, I was very happy to find out today, as the picture behind me hints so that's the clue right there. Um, there's Minister Thompson, uh, rest in peace, and uh, Tim Harnett and our uh, one of our esteemed podcast founders, Dustin Elliott. Um, that's the Distinguished Gentleman Ride, boys. And the DGR is happening this year, and the DGR is happening in May. So, uh, in a, yeah, a, wow. a holiday of our Canadian friends up north. 
uh, is the May 2-4 weekend. So oh. 2-3, so May 2-3, uh, that's a Sunday, as always. Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is on a Sunday. Worldwide, May 23rd, we are going to get distinguished. So we all know that last year's Distinguished Gentleman's Ride was a bit of a bust. It was a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. Sign up, go ride your bike, whatever. Dress dapper. Um, this year, it's not going to be that way. We're going to do a fucking ride. Um, a ride as you know it. Now, the element that is not going to be the same is we won't be going to Porco for breakfast and drooling all over each other and spitting on ourselves. Um, we're not going to do that. So we won't be gathering together for a, a breakfast that can't be beat. And we won't be gathering at the end of the event to get shit-faced on $2 drinks. Um, those two things will be not be absent, right? But the, the ride itself, we're doing it. And as usual, I will be hosting it. Um, for people who are in the Cleveland area, it's uh, DGR Cleveland, pretty much anywhere. Um, it's going to be a meetup. I think what we're going to shoot for is the new beach house at Edgewater Park. Yeah. So the new beach house at Edgewater Park has a parking lot that you can see from space. Um, there's bathroom facilities there. You can buy a beer. You can do all, you know, you can buy a sandwich. And it's plenty of room for our group. Um, we've had 188 or 190 people in our DGR before. We're going to try to hold the number this year to 200. So we'll try to keep it to around 200 people. And then we're going to have a ride that goes from Edgewater Park and we'll go down to the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railroad uh, rail yards. Cool. So where they have the historic trains, the steam trains and stuff like that, that's going to be where our destination is. So we'll be riding, we'll be doing some circular rides in downtown Cleveland, some interesting stuff in the city and the flats. And then we'll work our way down the Cuyahoga River Valley to the ultimate destination of the train yards for the Cuyahoga Valley Scenic Railway. So you can get pictures with all the trains and stuff. Yeah. So the IMS show is obviously still sketchy because when you look at the schedule, uh -huh. yeah, look. some of them are named by city like Denver. Look at Ca California just says Southern California, Northern California. Mm. Well, then you got Chicago, New York City, and Pennsylvania just says Pennsylvania. It doesn't say where. No, look at right here, Carlisle, but it doesn't. But look at venue. Going to say Carlisle was on the schedule. Yeah. So they, they, uh, if you go to here, they have them listed to the cities, but it's still Steve, your screen is still not sharing. It's not. I'm not. I seeing see it. it. Oh, you I see, see it? it? Yeah. I do not. I see okay. it. Never mind. Carlisle would be a good place to go, though. I mean, we all go out to Carlisle. Yeah, where's Carlisle? It's 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 far. It's it's, far. Far. it's yeah. five hours, but they have a great. The Carlisle Car Show venue is amazing. I've been there a yeah. hundred times. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. But so here you go. So there's there's Denver, South Southern Carolina, Northern or sorry, fuck, Denver, Southern California, Northern California, mm -hmm. Texas, Nashville, Central Florida, and Atlanta. So the first one is starting on June. Is that correct? Yes. June 18th right. through the 20th right. in Denver. So people have some time to get ready to go to their, and you know, I'll tell you, Loveland, Colorado, you know, the idea, remember we talked about this in the podcast. The idea was that they wanted to be able to get these things outdoors. Mm -hmm. So, and that was smart because COVID's not done yet. Right. And there's no way that COVID could be possibly safe at this point. I don't feel to have an indoor event Right. By June. But right? even with this, everything they're showing, if you look right here, it says all this is completely. Of course. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, any governor can come in and say we're not going to allow gatherings of more than two people, and all that shit ends up. Right. Right. I mean, I've got tickets to punk rock bowling, and punk rock bowling is scheduled for May 29th, and oh. punk rock people are not known right. rule followers, right? And that being said, all the, the lasagna, all the punk rock community, very much was against the idea of having the event any earlier than they should, in the interest of safety. So even punk rockers, you know, when they're not sticking a safety pin in their face, they are a little bit concerned about not making their friends dead. So there's nothing. Oh, preservation that eventually kicks in. Right. That's exactly right. Eventually, you want to have little baby punk rockers. Right. Right. So, yes, that's kind of the that's the thing. And I was joking. I was like, when an event like punk rock bowling says no. And it's in fucking Las Vegas where that's a city that just doesn't give a shit. I mean, they were like, COVID, bring it on. It's two to one odds. We got this. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've dealt with herpes, AIDS, syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> hey, COVID sounds way less worse than 90% of the shit that can happen. Well, the reason Vegas loves COVID is you don't know you got COVID in Vegas until you get home. It's the one example of what happens in <laughs> Vegas. What happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. Right. You're uh, fine as long as the outside air is 112 degrees and burns it out of your lungs. Oh, shit. <laughs> you guys don't know the time that Renee and I went in and bombed in on John's professional work trip <laughs> in Vegas. Like, he he had a legit job to do. He was being paid to be there. And Renee and I went in and totally hijacked his hotel room and everything. Um, it was fun, but it was about 114 degrees. <laughs> and if you wanted hot in February, I think that was like yeah. February. It was like the rooftop pool. You couldn't stand on anything right. because everything was melting. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. You had to kick water on it so you could walk on it. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) I have something fun that we can do. So do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had a huge discussion and everybody put their uh, weight in onto what the mini bike collection at Meekum would sell for. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. 99.1% of the bikes sold. So are you guys interested Uh in, in figuring this out? I am completely interested, and I haven't right. looked at any of the results, so I'm completely right. so unprepared. I have, I have, I had to log in and create a Meekum account, but I have the results. But I can show you the screen that does not have the results. So let me pull this up, and you okay. guys can look, and Ooh, then we'll this go was through. very intriguing because we'll these bikes were all dead sexy. I mean, these are all right. Japanese market. I'm not going to have any input because I have the answers. So <laughs> this was all the shit that was like the gold and silver, and the Tokyo edition, all, all mini bikes. These are right. all Honda, mostly Honda mini bikes and a couple other brass monkey yep brass monkey we'll do that last so here you go so already here you go yes let me know when you can see this okay i can see that i can see it okay so we'll start right at the top we'll go left to right on the way down we'll try to do them quick okay so 1971 honda sl70 yellow what do you think it's sold for she's a beauty uh six thousand all right john's at six what else we got 5200 nick at 52 I'm going to say 4,500. 5,000. 5,000. 4,000. 4,000. Phil, what were you at? One dollar. No, thirty-five hundred. Okay. <laughs> that bike sold for fifty-five hundred and one dollars. Oh shit! All right. All right. Is that me? Yeah, I think so, Nick. I think you were right there. Oh yeah, so, I win it, right? Plus, yeah, what is Ding ding ding! It's a fifteen percent <laughs> buyer's fee. I think on top of it for Meekum. Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of people making money on all this. 100. Yeah, there's a seller's fee and a buyer's fee. 
All right. So 1970 Honda QA50, the green guy right there in the middle. You guys see him? I do see yep. him. All right. What do we got? Who, who offers some? 4,900. 6500 38 38 Phil? $7,000. 4500 4500 Who Who had the lowest? Nick. Nick. It's oh, Nick. $2,750. Oh, hell yeah. I've got two bikes. Yeah. You know what? This is interesting because I, there's so fucking many of them. I wonder if it wasn't a flood the market situation. It could be. But yeah. you'll be pretty surprised how things go as you go down. Okay. All right. So 1970 Honda Z50 K2, the yellow one, top right. Yellow and white, beautiful bike by any standard, unrestored, gorgeous little machine. How much? God damn it. I'm, I'm falling into this trap. I'll lead and I'll say. Uh, uh, how much? Three. Five. All right. Four. Four. Dan? 3,500. 35? Smith, I'm or anybody? I want to say 5,001. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the highest? Who was the highest? Uh, Steve. Steve at 5,001. It sold for $6,050. Wow. Smack wow. my mama. That's ridiculous. And you guys are going to love this. All right, moving down. Okay, hold on. From now on, I'm going to change my personal bidding strategy. I am actually going to bid what I would actually pay. I'm not going to bid what I think it's sold for. I'm going to bid what I would actually pay. Okay. All right. So, 1970. I don't know if that's going to help you. I know. <laughs> Honda XR75, second row to the left. Oh, that's $10,000. How much? 10000 Okay. Next? 8200 All right. Phil? 7073 70, and we're going to say twenty six hundred bucks. XR seventy fives are there's people who are just crazy for them, and it's a nut and bolt restoration. But still, I'll pay twenty five hundred bucks for it. <laughs> All right, who else? Forty eight hundred. Six thousand. Six thousand. Wow. Who said forty eight? Smith. Uh, it sold for forty nine fifty. Wow. Holy shit! That is actually a pretty good price for that bike. I think. I mean, if you were looking for one. All right. Maybe. Keeping keep racing brackets for those. Keep it in just because we have a lot of bikes. There's a ton of bikes. 1973 Honda SL100. What do you guys think? Slightly higher than the SL70. Yeah, I like that um, color. That's the right color too. Eight grand. Thirty-one hundred. Thirty-one. Eight well, grand. Are you fucking high? Seventy-two. That's ridiculous. Forty-eight hundred. Yeah. Fifty-five hundred. Oh shit, Dan! Fifty five hundred bucks it sold for. Wow! Ding ding ding! And the winner. <laughs> All right, these. Right. Moving on, moving yeah. on. Nineteen ninety two Z fifty, which is a very popular bike. People love these bikes. I think yeah. you can still buy those retail in the crate. Right? How much? What do you think? Twenty nine ninety nine. Thirty five hundred. Okay. Forty one hundred. Ooh. All right. Twenty nine ninety eight. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Twenty five. Ooh, wait 4500 45 Uh whoever said 25 it sold for $2200. Right. Nice. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah. Nick, your favorite bike from the last time we looked at these, right? The SL70 1973 <laughs> red and yellow? No, no. I I only like the multi-cylinder SLs. Okay, right. I'm sorry. All right. Okay. So, what do you guys think of this guy? The same price as the one that's two bikes above it. Yeah. 
Nick, you let, you let yourself out. You let yourself down by only liking the two-cylinder SLs. The single-cylinder, <laughs> like the 100, the 125s, uh-huh. are a blast. Really? They're really cool bikes. Well, if, if anybody has one that I can try, All right. that'd be great. So what do you think? SL70, 1973, red and yellow. What do you think? Five grand. Yeah, 4,200. Anybody else? 30 I think I said 50. 52 for the, t- for the one on top, so I'll do 52. Who was 30. the highest? Who was the highest? Nick. It sold for $7,150. No. What? There yes, seems to be no rhyme or reason to this. No. All right, you ready? Okay. Here we go. Hey, this All is going right. to blow your fucking minds. So we already did the Z50R up, upstairs, right? The second you got to do the, the green CT70. We'll get there. That's, that's not okay. good after this All one. Right. So right. the other ZR50 sold for $2,200, right? Right. Yeah. So look at the 91, which is, you know, a year. New, yeah, new. but that's a Baja. And Baja is a rare shit. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's a Baja. What do you guys think? I'm going to say 50. Six. So I have 51. You bitch. <laughs> 6,600. All right. Well, John fucked himself because Steve won by that one dollar because it sold for seventy nine twenty. I'm sorry. What? Seven thousand nine hundred and twenty dollars for, for that a fifty cc bike that I could put in my ass. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will I will show you guys. I to make sure I'm, I'm not lying. I will show you guys the, the actual thing when we're done here. But yes. All right, moving on. 19- Hold on a second, guys. I'd like to conduct a real experiment real quick. Um, Merritt, somebody just spent over $7,000 for a 1991 Honda Z50 monkey bike. Can you describe what that person looks like? No. He's a fat white man. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and say it, Merritt. John McElfresh. <laughs> John McElfresh's w- richer brother. Yeah. John McElfresh's richer uncle. Yeah. Okay, moving on. 1970. Okay. All right. Uh, this I can get into. I, 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 CT70. Unrestored Eight, 860, 860 miles. miles. It's the same kind of shit we take to AMA oh. Vintage Days. Yep. Yeah. This had plastic covering on some of the shit, if you yep. remember the individual yep. pictures and stuff. So yep. it was really clean. Clean, yep. clean, clean. I'll shoot for the sky. 10 grand. Okay. Next. 9250. Phil? Seven. Cleveland okay. Moto price, 3250. Okay. Well, six hundred, six hundred bucks. <laughs> Crawford, what did you say? Ninety-two fifty. How about ten thousand four hundred and fifty fucking dollars? I want four hundred and fifty dollars for a fucking CT. Yes. Swear oh, to God. Shit. I'd pay that for an ST. Ninety. Okay. <laughs> how about how about a fucking? How about I know a, where there is one. An ST ninety. Yeah. yeah, the guy and I sold my CB1 to. Does he want to sell? He listens to the podcast now. Oh well, so there, there he goes. He just, I think the price just went up. <laughs> I'll tell you, Steve, Mr. Hofford, you better call him right quick before this shit drops. You can get the last laugh. In fact, John, when you're done giving Steve Hofford that number, give me that number. I'm texting it right now. I'll text Whatever it out. Steve offers him, I'm going to offer him a hundred dollars less, and he'll sell it to Steve. Yeah, we'll team up on. It. All right, 1970 Bronco mini bike. I don't. I even say know anything this. to fuck Steve. This is a fetish. <laughs> this is a weirdo fetishy bike, man. 
Yeah, I have no. I don't know where to put this. I don't know what to do with this. Is it right. is it related to to Bruce's Super Bronco? I think it is. I think yeah. it is too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bruce, I like the Super Bronco. I Let mean, me I say this: say Bruce needs to restore the fucking bike because just make your guesses, and then I'll tell you. Oh. Okay. So. 12. Okay, you're 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 tipping the hand. So I'm gonna go wild with like ten grand. Okay. Who else? Twelve thousand. Seventy-one fifty. Okay. Five thousand. Five. Okay. Phil, price I would pay, whatever. Bucks. Forty-four ninety-five. Three hundred and fifty dollars. All right. Six thousand and sixty dollars. I'm a winner. Okay. I'm a winner. Here's a little. Here's a little insight for you guys. When we posted up the video of us having the riding the dirt bike around and burning the barn down, right? Yeah. I had people commenting and sending me messages. Hey, how much for the Super Bronco? Yeah. We never in the video called it a Super Bronco. We never acknowledged it was a Super Bronco. It was literally just in the background, slightly hazy like Sasquatch. And people do. fucking knew that it was a Super Bronco and started asking me how much it was and was it for sale? Right. Well, wait, I know how, how much he paid for it and it's shocking. How many people wanted to buy my trail hopper? Exactly. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys ready for this next one that's going to blow your minds? Yes. 1969 Honda Silver Tag K1. K1, baby. Nut and bolt restoration. So it's not original, it's been restored. Right. What do you think? What do you got? Uh, that's beautiful. It's the right that's color. Come on, what do you got? What's the number? 12,000. I'm just betting 10 grand because that's what I bet 10 grand. Fills in for six. What else? Twelve thousand for me. Hopper, eighty four hundred. You ready? I'm ready. Eleven thousand five hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Ten grand. <laughs> How much? Eleven thousand five hundred and fifty dollars. Wait, eleven thousand five hundred fifty? Yes, sir. 11. Oh, that's me. <laughs> it is. Oh, you bet. Okay, you went up. I did twelve. Okay. That's $165 per pound. Yes. <laughs> That's bullshit. I mean, where was, which Mecham was this by this? Was this Mecham Vegas or was this Mecham Indiana? Florida. Oh, okay. All right. The meth is strong in Florida. This would be Florida. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 1973 Honda ATC 70. So it's not even something you can enjoy. It just sucks. No, it just sucks. Oh, but you don't realize how much people love those things at the drag strip. Yeah. 8,000. Okay, eight thousand. Nick's at eight. Who else? It's Six exactly thirty-three percent more Camaro than <laughs> the uh, than the other one, the the monkey bike. So I'm going to say the Phil Waters price is twenty-three hundred bucks, or go fuck your hat. That is the prime. That is the prime dragster towing vehicle. That is a ten thousand dollar all day long. Jesus Christ. Okay. Anybody else? Smith? Did somebody say like fifty-seven hundred bucks? Okay. Smith? That's a good bid. Is Smith here? No, I think he's gone. All right. You ready? I'm ready. $8,250 fucking dollars. Fuck you. Was that me? I think what did I say? You said 80. You said 8,000. I said eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right. Dick is nailing it. Oh, yeah. Nailing it every hey, time. Now, hey, Simon, speaking of uh, eight. Oh. Speaking of ATCs, uh, if any of our listeners has an ATC 125M engine for less than $150, I'll buy it. You want the reverse? 
Yeah. No. <laughs> but if it has it, I guess I'll have reverse. He wants reverse need? for his bike. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> people people put those in their CT90s, and the, yep. and the funny thing is, you get a CT with reverse. Oh, I didn't know they had reverse. Yeah, that one of those motors has reverse. Huh. All right, moving on with the game. Everybody in Ohio should have an affection, mm-hmm. uh, a uh, affinity. For yeah. the Rupp Roadster, 1969 Rupp Roadster. What was it? Right. Dayton, Ohio. Where was it made? Dayton? No, I thought they were Mansfield, I think. Mansfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. So what do you guys think? 1969. It's a mini bike. It's legitimately a fucking mini bike. In fact, I'll tell you, that you can order that out of the catalog that came to your house. Right. Yeah, for $501. <laughs> 4500 1500 1500 Phil? Five grand even because why not well yeah, it's a rub you guys were so wrong in all accounts it sold for twelve thousand six what fifty dollars thousand dollars no way okay i, I, I swear <laughs> i will show you guys this as soon as we're done i will let you guys confirm uh, who would pay twelve thousand dollars for <laughs> close, close the fucking scooter shop close the shop all we are doing is restoring 1969 rup roadsters okay look here's the thing I'm going to tell you guys the secret. You don't need to have sex with old men to get that bike. You just need to give them a little bit of your time. Just listen to their stories because their pee-pee don't work anyway. Don't worry about it. But they'll tell you where those are, and then you can just steal them because they're never going back in their garage again. They've ne- they haven't been in their garage in 15 years. But this bike was never street legal. This bike is literally a bike you could build out of a kit. This is worth nothing. I mean, these brand new were the equivalent of like 11 hours of labor um, in its day, right? I mean, this. I'm going to say I grew up when this bike was already undesirable these were in my neighborhood these were considered to be pathetic right well here so the next one you guys see the next little orange guy here yeah well okay okay this is a ko so i'm I'm gonna warn you guys in the world of hondas k followed by a number and no matter what bike it is if it's a k zero or the closer the number is to zero, the more dollars it's worth. So it doesn't matter whether it's a CB450, a CB750, a CB350, a KO is always worth the most. 9,600. Well, this one has not sold yet. So whatever the... the, uh, the oh, the Z50? It didn't meet yet. the reserve of $200,000. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's at 5500 and has not hit reserve. Right, so exactly. Yeah. Here, here, here's an important lesson. So this is interesting, and this is going to quelch a lot of people's... Or you need a K75. A lot of people's bullshit about restored and unrestored. So let's look at this 1971 Honda CT70H. Absolutely. Restoration. Nut and bolt Nut restoration. Bolt restoration. So Four speed manual clutch. Yep. Right. And they probably spent $4,000 restoring that $1,200 bike. Right. So yeah. now we already know with the one sold two above it, the green yeah. guy, right? Yep. So what do you think this orange guy sold for? So that's the, the this one is restored. The other one's restored. Mm, yeah. So seven thousand. Okay. Who else? Seven thousand one. Six five thousand. Eight thousand. Half as much. Sixty nine ninety five. Okay, you guys are all completely wrong. And everybody that says original beats restored is oh, no. because the restored one 
sold for $12,100, where the original unrestored one sold for $10,450. That's bullshit. It's a year later, and it's restored, which just tells me, well, okay, so, so far we've had 14 examples of the people that were at this auction all need to be taxed. And by taxed, I mean we should jump them in the parking lot and steal their wallets. Right. <laughs> so here, I'm going to show you what we've covered. I mean, uh, taxed. All you covered so far. Here, here's the prices. So you know I wasn't bullshitting. Right. Okay. All the way down. This is what we've covered so far. <gasps> oh, that's a crime. There it is. All the way down. Look at this last one we just talked about. Twelve thousand right. one hundred. Wow. Compared to ten four, all that. Yeah. All right. All right, so now we're going to go down. Hold on, give me a second. I'm going to tell you, Steve, that image that you just brought up. I'm not going to get real deep into math, but that 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 one picture, that one image you brought up, give or take, just give or take, that one image was about seventy thousand dollars worth of motorcycles you can't get laid on. Right, <laughs> or right on the street for the most part. That's right. I mean, it's physically impossible. Right. Okay, so okay. moving moving on. All right. Now we have a 1970 CT70 unrestored with 58 miles. Okay, all right. No, this one's... What do you guys think? Let's go. Who's got it? Candy gold metallic. 8,000. I mean... 9,500. I'm going to go with my 10 grand bid. Okay. I, I have to say, as much as it pains me to do it, I'm going to say $12,000. Wow, I'm um, right in right at 11. 11? Dan, what'd you get? 95, I think. Okay, you guys are so all fucking wrong and so far oh, based. $17,600. What? $17,000 for a CT70. Holy shit. My, what are those ripoffs for like two grand? Oh. Literally, I have seen where you can buy a stockpile of these for, you know, a hundred different frames and parts. I'm just a fucking tractor trailer full of them for 10 grand. If you wanted to spend five to 10 grand, you could just have enough stuff that you could restore a hundred of these things. So you're going to paint all the body work and then we're going to build motor. I'll build motors and somebody else can do the fucking rest and we'll just do that. This yeah. is not, yeah, not this that entire long. auction is just fuel for people on Facebook Marketplace to be like, "Don't lowball me, I know what I have." Yeah, but they don't have this A. <laughs> okay. All right. What, so, I do, what I should bring up is that Cheap Charlie, uh, the guy who ran Akron Moped for as far as I can tell, 40 years. Um, I went to the, his going out of business auction, which if you ever want a sobering thing, go to a motorcycle shop that's going out of business auction because you can take somebody's pride and joy of 30 or 40 years and you can liquidate it in less than 12 hours. Yeah. And he had no less than 40 or 50 of those in his basement. He'd gotten real big on just grabbing them. And he was just grabbing them for free and stuffing them in the basement. And one kid, one dude I know bought all of them. And I mean, we're talking in excess of 30 bikes and he bought them all for, I think the number was right around five or six grand. Wow. wow. So, oh, you know, yeah, it's there. So if you wanted the 1970 Honda Z 50 K two K two, it's a turn on court restoration. Yeah. What do you think? What you're does that mean? Over restored. Jewel. Restoration means over restored. Yeah. Yeah. Bike glove treatment on the whole bike. Sure. Go okay. ahead. Yeah. What do you guys think? I can't even. Um, 
I'm going to say eight. Okay. Amen. Nine. Nine. Nick? Ten. Ten. Six for me. Okay. Four. Four. Eleven thousand. It sold for seventy-seven hundred bucks. Yeah. So here's the, the. This is the point in the show where I have to say a little insider baseball for for somebody who actually participates in a lot of motorcycle auctions. You look at the way they do the lots, and when they do the lot like this, when you get down to the end of a particular lot, and you look at the numbering on these, they, they're definitely doing the numbers sequentially. And so when they pull these units coming across and they bring them out and gavel them, um, what happens is the first bikes don't sell very high. They, they just don't. And then that kind of sets the temp, this sets the tone for the auction. And then the middle bikes, they go real fucking high. And then what happens is the end of the bikes. And literally when you look at these, you want to be selling the last CT 70. You want to be selling the last Z 50. The reason you want to sell the last CT 70 and the last Z 50 is even though your bike might not be as nice as the ones before it, yours is the last opportunity. So the four dickheads who got outbid in the previous rounds of the auction are going to throw their fucking wallet to be the last guy to leave the show today with a CT 70. So it's a strategic thing. And unfortunately in most auctions, you don't get to pick where your bike is in the lineup, but yeah, the last of anything, when an auction comes around and there's 10 CT nineties, the first CT 90 will get nothing. It won't meet reserve. The middle ones will do kind of okay, but the last ones will kill it. They'll crush it. To your point, and and to uh, John's point and everything that he loved, let's go to the Brass Monkey over here. Here we go, Brass Monkey. 1984 Z50J, gold, United Edition, one kilometer, so brand new out of the crate. What do you think it sold for? Oh, wait. Let's try to recall what we did last time. Well, you bid $21,700, and I bid $21,701. Yep. Okay. Who else? So we know that because last in a previous auction, in a previous podcast, we looked up some of the sales price, the completed auctions prices. And I had thought this was a $10,000 bike. And I was rather shocked to find out that they had sold for around 6,600. Now right. that means nothing. Cause this is Florida. The drugs are cheap. Wealthy people have got a lot of money right now because all their COVID stocks came in. I'm going to say $14,000. Okay. Who else? 17. 17. The Oracle speaks. <laughs> the Oracle. Anybody else? Or we got 15,000. All right, you ready? I'm ready. $15,400. Oh, Dan's a man. So it, it is consistent with my belief. My belief is that the we know that one sold for 6,600. And here, not even a year later, COVID money, burning a hole in somebody's pocket. Sold for twice as much money, over twice twice as much money, fourteen grand. All right, so here comes the Tokyo. This, this is the bike I really like. I, this I love is the this big bike. dog. This is the silver one kilometer unrestored mint out of the crate metallic silver limited edition metallic silver seat. Yeah, is this the is this the last one in the auction? A tuck and roll the last one in the auction. Seat. Oh. The Goldwing logos on the side and everything. Right yeah. there it is. Look at that bad boy. It is a 20,000. Let's see if this one goes to 20. 22. 22? What else we got? 17, 8. Ooh, okay. 19,000. 13,000 because it's not gold. Who said 19? Dan? 
$18,700. Wow. There you go. Just to fucking show embarrassing, you. man. Stand by. Oh, fucking fucking embarrassing. Fucking embarrassing. Fucking embarrassing. There you go. There it is. That's the official, so you know I'm not lying. There it is. Eighteen seven. There's all. Well, then you got to remember that there's almost, and I mean almost $3,000 on top of that in just buyer's fees. Right. So that guy went home that day for around $21,500. He got a motorcycle you can carry under your arm. Right, right. Like, what did he give up for that little bike? That bike is going to go, that bike is going to go home and get thrown in his warehouse with yep. his fucking Lamborghinis yep. and his fucking all kinds of other crazy fucking bullshit yep. that he fucking owns. And that'll be one of the cheapest trips to the auction that he's ever taken. That's right. right. That's he's going to one of his servants. He's going to tell one of his servants to hang that bike from a rope from the ceiling of his museum or warehouse or whatever, and they won't do it. And the bike will get lost to time. And eventually when he dies from a massive sex overdose, <laughs> then somebody's going to come in and find that bike and they're going to sell it at another auction container sale for like a whole container full of weird shit like that for $38. I wanted to buy something special for my granddaughter. I got all this oil money. You know, I what? thought she'd look, I thought that'd be pretty for her. But you know what? He'll never have, he'll never right. have being seven beers deep and riding John's half broken trail 70 around Bruce's fucking yard and almost killing yourself. So <laughs> fuck you it. know what? Hey guys, I have a question. Do you yeah. think, that obviously the the people who are buying this stuff are getting older right right uh do you think these prices are going to stay high no there's got to be I've a said that before i said that before the people mm -hmm. that are into this shit are getting old and they are dying and when they die massive collections of shit that's been accumulated is going to hit the market to an unsuspecting public who doesn't really give a fuck about it well, more right. into computers. Well, that's, that's what games. No, but Nick, that's you, what I'm wondering is, is do their children care about this stuff? No, you're, do, a rare, do you're a rare bird because these bikes, the reason they sold for the price is that me, Phil, John, and, well, Dan and Steve are a little older, but right here, us three, that's what we grew up wanting. Like when I was fucking eight, that's what I dreamed about and stuff. The first bike, that's the first bike I ever rode. Right. We would sit there, we would get, we would steal a magazine uh, from the from the gas station that had, you know, it was a bike magazine and it had all oh, the Honda lineup for that fucking year. And we would, you know, we wanted an XR, we really wanted an XR 75 bad. We would have killed for that. But it was like, oh, well, the CTs and stuff like that, that was cool. But, and if a dude had you know, a trail 70, a kid had, your buddy had a trail 70, he became your best friend and you just went to his house to try to ride his trail 70. We had nothing. We were all dicked. All we wanted was motorcycles and that was nothing. Yep. So now I've spent my entire life overcompensating for what I fucking did <laughs> as a kid. And I think Phil is the most guilty of all of us for that. Like you have a, you have a business, but it's kind of like I'm getting yep. every motorcycle I've ever wanted ever in my entire life. Yeah, dude, look, I was very proud on my 40th birthday, give or take my 40th birthday. When I got a Pook Magnum Mark II. <laughs> okay. So, Steve, I want you to go into the interwebs and pull out a picture of a Pook Magnum Mark II. And you might even be able to pull one up that's actually the one we sold by, like, Pook Magnum Mark II Cleveland Moto. Rupio or silver? 
It's silver. It's so they only came in two colors. They came in silver and UPS. Um, the UPS ones are brown with gold trim, and the silver ones are silver with green and blue trim, like Chris Smith's 400cc motorcycle Suzuki. But the Pook Magnum Mark II, when I was a child, was the I shit. would have. I there was no question about what bike I wanted to have because it was a Pook Magnum Mark II. Right. right. Now, here's the thing. You'll see that that bike sold, right, on bring a trailer, bring a trailer, a car, a car site. It sold for $100, $4,100 oh. These bikes sold new for around 600 bucks, and I bought one in 2010 for free, but I was able to find one. You know, I was able to arrange to go pick it up. But to give you an, like, that is $4,100. That is literally 10 times as much money as it is Kelly Blue Book worth. You but know? These, anybody who had one of these was the coolest. I had a Tomos two-speed, and I hated it. They weren't the coolest. They were just the richest. Let's no, just but they had, what it is. they had the fucking top tank. That yeah. was the thing. It made you feel like a real motorcycle. And it's a two-speed transmission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When everybody oh, else okay. it had two Stop. horsepower too. No, but to dude, my my Tomos two speed could beat this. It, it really could. I drag raced many. Oh, now here we go. But I'm with saying, the right kid on this bike, it'll do seventy mile an hour. Yes, dude. But it doesn't true. matter. It still has the top tank, which made it yep, doesn't. Yep. It, it can go four miles an hour. It didn't fucking. Yeah, it, you function. know, with the right kid on any bike, you, right. that's the thing. Is I'm I'm a, I'm a, a member of a new. A number of moped groups on facebook yeah um and it's hilarious yeah uh because you know all the memes are over there is like oh yeah this will do 60 miles an hour it's like it won't maybe one <laughs> uh, has right yes, one has therefore <laughs> as long as one has it will yeah, the moped, the moped army. The moped army was very strong with our young scooter culture back in the early nineties. The moped army was wonderful. Um, uh, everyone should type into their search browser right now. Hollywood Holt H O L T. Throw a kit on that bitch, or throw a kit on a bitch, is it's properly said. And uh, that particular thing, if you are Nick Nick DeVito. That song will touch to your soul. And we know all the people whose names are mentioned in that song. Um, it's a very Detroit, very uh, moped army oriented song. And if the light don't work, just jiggle the cord is a real, you know, that's, a, that's an actual lyric in the song. But it's all about if you got a 50cc moped, a 49cc moped, throw a kid on a bitch, right? And it is real things. I've ridden a lot of 70cc bikes that will go well over 60 miles an hour with a 200-pound lightly shaved gorilla on it. And it's real. It's a thing that happens, and, and you can do it. So what is what is, this is wrong with us? Hollywood Hulk. Hey, all right, that's all we can do because we'll get uh, right. Yeah, he, <laughs> hold on, hold on. And all the people. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Look, there you go. There's all kinds of. Hold on, let me do this. Oh yeah, we do this. We can do this. Hold on. There you go. There you go. Yep, See, there was a moped. Guys, yep, the moped. Oh, I there. don't know what. I go. mean, I don't know what Holt's up to these days. Um, he's he signed some of our bikes for us, and but you got to say in the moped community, it is it was way fresher than Macklemore downtown, right? 
he's got oh yeah there it is so this is definitely this is one of those things that um get a chance watch that video it's it's fun and what uh, what is wrong with with all of us really that we have access to all sorts of motorcycles really any motorcycle we want right yet there's some innate desire to make a 50 cc vehicle go exceptionally fast yeah but there's an innate desire to make any vehicle you have go faster right. so it just right. so happens that there's a lot yeah, i guess so well, it's so another thing, too. After years of fucking people saying, what are you, a moped fag and stuff like that, people that are into them are like, no, fuck you. We can make these fun. Like, you Look, know, I just like the sound of them. I like you, you take a like there was a DT 50 and it was a liquid cooled 50 cc bike. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like a can of angry bees. It just yeah. there's just nothing like it. It's yeah. stupid. But I don't oh, know. Th- throughout high school, I I spent all of my time not doing homework and trying to make my Vespa Grande sound like a can of angry bees, but and that was like what, like four weeks ago or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was busy trying to make my 75 Cutlass sound like the Hot for Teacher video. (laughs) A boob, to be honest with you. I spent my whole high school career trying to see a boob. You know, that was all. I was putting my baseball cards on my spokes. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a weird thing. So I have a, I've got this friend. Her name is Amy Hunter. And Amy has been working at a BMW San Jose out in California. And she's a, She's one of the people I met through the Zero Dealers community stuff. And Amy is an amazing human being. She's an adventure woman of the highest class, but she's a small person. You know, John and I are big people. She's a small person. And she rides a full-size BMW GSA 1250 giant adventure bike, right? And she's a very small person. And we do know that there are certain women who are of small stature who can heal these bikes around like a well-trained Clydesdale. And the joke is, I was like, look, you keep riding those bikes that are too big for you and I'll keep riding those bikes that are too small for me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I get a great, as you guys know, I get a great amount of joy of ripping the crap out of a 125. Um, Nothing makes me happier. Then to, my best weekend at mid Ohio was the year I bought a 1966 uh, Riverside, yeah. which is like the uh, Yamaha rotary valve, 60 CC mm-hmm. little bike. Yep. But that thing just sounded great. It was like ring. So Riverside was the company brand of the company brand of well, not Sears, um, Montgomery Wards. Montgomery Wards, yeah. Lucky uh, Wards, yeah. Sears were all all states, and Riversides were Montgomery Wards. Yeah. They were another motorcycle you could buy out of a fucking catalog. Interesting. Can't get a four stroke to brap. Did you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I like the rotary valve. Rotary valve two strokes are awesome. Yeah, I mean it's. It's that it's that kind of a thing. So we gotta love, you know, being a big guy riding a small bike. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fun. Oh, I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm I'm turning a CT90 into an adventure bike. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird. Grand touring edition. There's a, oh, Phil, there's an SR. I mean, this is kind of off the subject, but there's an SRF on Crash Toys for a thousand dollars. 
An SRF and SR it Franken was flooded. It was flooded. So the screen, everything. It looks like the, I know the batteries don't care, and the controller doesn't care, and the motor doesn't yeah. care. The screen, they can't get it to work because the screen is dead. I'd buy that for a thousand dollars and just make it into a shop project. So it's thank on, you. Pass yeah, that along. It's on there right now. Yeah. It's it's yeah. and it's going it's going to be done in like a day or two I think. Okay, pass that along. We'll Even see. Your backup generator, you could probably run the entire shop for like two days. On okay, I have. There is nothing wrong in my book with a uh, an, a zero SRF ghetto bike, like an absolute disaster. Post Armageddon, plug it into the fucking wall, and then go out and experience 140 foot pounds of torque, and then plug it into the wall again. You do you know, think you could you could uh, swap a Predator 212 into it? Yeah, we could probably swap a Predator 212 into it. And you know what, Nick? I'm thinking we could just put the Predator 212 on the back. Ooh. Act as an APU. Yeah. So we could just do the do the Predator 212 on the back, just going into a, a, a you know just a generator. Would it make more sense to have a trailer behind it though? Nope. No. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you want to keep that wheelbase nice and short for, and you want to keep the handling as crisp as possible because you're going to crash it. Steve said he wants to put a sidecar on it. That's not a bad idea. Sure, why not? Yeah. Well, that's where your generator will go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, generator can be real small. I mean, it, yeah. It yeah. Put a sidecar on it and make sure you, you know. The nice thing about that, then, is we said every time we've talked about a Mid Ohio project bike, it was always a sidecar or a trailer or some other like multi-wheeled fetishy weird not happy with your own gender kind of thing so All right. cool. yeah that's something I like that um so that's cool so, so john john uh Mecklefresh, one of our favorite people in the entire world uh right sent, sent over a, uh, a text to today that said what is the best bike for what was it, John? Under thousand dollars. I got I got a little bit of money boring a hole in my pocket because I sold my CB one. Yeah, you did. Uh, to Peter from from who formerly from Pennsylvania, now he lives down in Columbus, and he came up last weekend. Real nice guy, really nice guy, and uh, he picked up the CB one for an undisclosed amount. I have three thousand dollars, but I had some other money and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's now I'm looking at bikes, you know, I don't know if I'm actually going to buy one because I actually feel like I still want to thin the herd some more and maybe right. try to get that money even up higher. I'm dead certain on I will not buy anything that has a petcock or carburetors. So nice. that's also part of the $3,000 thing is well, what I said. And I kind of tried to reply to you, but I think you should add 500 bucks to it and say 35. And what is the best two up bike? Because you probably want to about their ask. How about their asking 35? But we're going to try to get it for three. Right. right. I, at this point, with all, because, like, look at, like, you're in your garage. We can see behind you. You have a lot of things to ride, right? So I think you're probably. Well, allegedly. 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 <laughs> you're, you're looking for a two up, maybe? Take the wife and daughter yes. out? Something yeah, yes. Okay. It definitely won't be a small bike. It's definitely something that I would like. It definitely has to be a highwayable, two up on the highway. Right. preferably fuel injected which that that takes it to another level but they're out there and i've, I've found plenty of candidates I, i'll let you guys you know throw out what you want but i, I know what i've seen on marketplace and craigslist you need a four thousand dollar bike let's be honest you need a four thousand dollar bike that's fuel injected and over a thousand cc's no 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 
dude. No, it doesn't have to be over a thousand. No. It could be a six hundred. Yeah, it could be a five ninety nine. Phil, your favorite bike fits the fucking thing. Gen one of the Kawasaki Versys six fifty. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That. You can get them for three grand, thirty yep. five hundred bucks all However, day long. It is fuel injected, right? However, John is talking about two people. Yeah, right. If you're talking about two people, he already has a KLR six fifty, right? That's too small for me and Peggy. You need to have, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you need to have around a thousand cc's and it should be fuel injected. Before you ever get to win. V-Star. Well, that's not 3,500, but. Ugly uh, as shit, but if you and your wife want to be on a couch driving down the highway for fucking 2,500 bucks, V-Star 1,100 to 1,600, whatever you can find in that thing. Yeah, yeah I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. that, that bike that's right behind me there. That's no problem. That's four grand all day long. Fuel injected. Nice. <laughs> Is that Smith? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> yeah. I thought he dropped the bike off like, Phil, I had a problem. Take care so of it. This is what happens when you, you set your trailer up with a, a proper, beautiful $200 wheel chock on the front of it mm-hmm. and think that because you got a $200 wheel chock on it, you don't need tie-down straps. Oh, my God. Really? Yep. That's exactly what happened. That Four. bike was loaded and pronounced to be ready to ro- ready to roll. The guy didn't put a single strap on it because wow. he bought the $200 wheel chocks and put the $200 wheel chocks on his $900 trailer. Well, that so he trailer, didn't think he would need a tie-down strap. But that trailer also, like, I have a, a what is it, a 5 by 7 or yeah. something like that. And I'm anything over 600 pounds, I'm like... <laughs> I should probably really secure this. That's that's nine hundred, eight hundred pounds of motorcycle. Yeah, right on a tiny ass trailer with no fucking straps. Wow, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But I think I think John, I think there's quite a few bikes. The problem is a lot of them are cruisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't want to get a cruiser, it's going to be a little harder to find a thousand cc, four thousand dollar leader class bike for two yeah, Maybe like a Yamaha Venture around nineteen ninety. No, I've been. I don't know. I. I mean, the two up thing is only occasional. Mostly, it would be just me riding it. Man, I've been looking at most, and I, you know, I have an affinity for Honda, so I've been looking. You know, you can get three thousands a little bit low for a nine nineteen. Yep. But some of them are close. Like they're asking thirty eight hundred, thirty five hundred. If you could knock them down, and maybe I could add a little bit more to it. You get what about what about something like a, what about something like a a Bandit twelve fifty? Yeah. 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 Or ST, the Honda, ST eleven. I see an ST eleven hundred or an ST thirteen hundred. Dude, but when was the ST eleven hundred still had carbs? Didn't they, or were they fuel injected? They were carbs, but no, they were carbs no. until they became. You get a thirteen hundred. You get a thirteen hundred approaching thirty five hundred. I'd say. I would yeah, think probably. Okay, that's that's in my wheelhouse. Dude, Henry, Henry from the Misfits bought one for what twenty eight hundred bucks, and he drove yep. across the country and met us in fucking Mid Ohio with the thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that definitely. I think that's kind of what I'm looking at, something like, like that. Yeah, that that's a good bike. You can get a lot of fun out of that bike for cheap money. Well, Henry's was a an ex police bike, so it had a lot of buttons. Yep, it did. Yep, yep. and crazy. I mean, all day long. You, I mean, twenty five hundred to three grand is CBR F four eyes. Yep. A lot yeah. of those out there in that in that yeah. area. Your wife, unless your wife is 47 pounds, she's not going to like being on the back of an F4i ever. Yeah, well. So that's a modern 
CB1100. Yeah. So that's a modern CB1100 with ape hangers. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, I can change that. I was going to say, you can, you can take those off, can't you? Yeah. yeah. I hope so, all right. So I'll, just flip, I'll flip them over. Yeah. There you so, go. So that's right now, that motorcycle has 660 original factory miles on it. Yeah. And it's a 2014, and it's for sale for five. Now, here's the thing. That's a fuel-injected motorcycle that we've all ridden, and we know it's a good bike. Yeah. We recently had a customer crash one that he just bought, and he bought this bike that somebody tried to cafe, and it was kind of horrible. And uh, it was one of the red ones, a 2014. And he bought it and crashed it and brought it into our shop, and the frame was bent, right? And so I was like, dude, I, gotta, I hate to give you the bad news, but your frame is actually bent. Your bike's fucked. And so he said, well, you know, write me a repair estimate and I'll turn it into the insurance company. The insurance company gave him a check for 5,300 bucks. And then he was like, it was great because I paid 3,600 for the bike. <laughs> so he paid 3,600 for the bike and he got a check for 5,200. He went out and bought another one that was way nicer with lower miles for 4,200. So those CB11s that are only a 2014, they are popping in the neighborhood of 4K right now. That well, represents that's, a, that's, that's my other strategy is like, you know what? I think I'm my, I got some other bikes here that I wouldn't like that gold 350 right yep. there. Yep. My Ascot. I think those are going to be on the market at whatever time the fucking mm -hmm. next stimulus check hits. I'm listing everything and I'm putting it out there. I'm, Absolutely. The Ascot's out on craigslist and i've been getting a little nibble here and there but i'm asking two grand for that mm -hmm. and nobody just really wants to come off of it That's but fine. I, if yeah. somebody said hey will you take 15 grand i said yes but no lower right or 1500 you know i'm like yeah hey if you want to if you want to maybe work on the 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 honda for maybe an 850 chef drive bike maybe we can do some talking you know like i have <laughs> <laughs> there you how go. many carburetors yeah there's That's four of them and I, they need work. That's what I was going to try to hook you up with. You know, help you out. I'd be more than happy up with work. I'd be more than happy to help you. Okay, and give you all kinds of technical support <laughs> over the phone. <laughs> so this is also the kind of thing that'll pop up. Yeah. So this is a Moto Guzzi eleven hundred. So this is a California eleven hundred. You know early two thousands bike, fuel injected, the best suspension you're ever going to get. You know, and aside from having a horrible gas tank, the gas tank is it looks like the tears of me. Um, <laughs> gas tank is not happy. But that particular motorcycle right there, no problem, 120 miles per hour. And it's like just perfect, just the sweetest, best handling, best driving. Unfortunately, it looks like what it looks like. Yeah, it's a CX 500 oh. Guzzi version. So, Phil, let me ask you something. Yeah. In your your grand experience in dealing with motorcycle buyers for the last twenty five years plus, yeah, right. At what age does this is going to fill my needs and be comfortable and service me? To this doesn't look how I want a bike to look. What <laughs> age, what where where is that fucking? Because like me, I'm looking at that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can fucking. I don't care what it looks like. I'm when I'm on it. I'm going to see in front of me, like, you know, like, so I'm to the point now in my age at 50 that I'm right. like, I don't give a fuck what the, like, I'm not impressing anybody. I want to be comfortable. I want fucking mileage. I want whatever. So yeah. where in your point, where does that happen? When, when I, I would have sold that bike 
behind me, I would have sold that bike for 2,500 bucks. You know, I sold it for like 3,500 bucks, but I would have sold it for 2,500 bucks. And there was nothing wrong with it. I mean, fuel injected, everything was perfect. No, hell of a deal. Hell of a deal. Amazing deal, deal, amazing bike. But I couldn't stand looking at it. Like I couldn't stand looking at it (laughs) in my showroom, right? Right. It's kind of hideous. It's, was that that was that that one Moto Guzzi that we we rode? Yeah, was the eleven hundred? Yeah, okay. I mean, the that's the one that I had offered. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one you guys rode, and that's. I mean, it's an amazing bike. There's nothing wrong with it, and it did. It I rode it enough to tell you it did everything well. But you ask, what's the point? And and at, at what point? I'm fifty years old, and I still expect my motorcycles to be two looks. I get off the bike, I look at it, and I go, "That's a sexy motorcycle." I get to the door of the restaurant, I turn around, I look at it again. That's still a sexy motorcycle. Yep. If my motorcycle doesn't warrant me looking at it two times, fuck it, I'm on the wrong motorcycle. I, I feel the same way. Like to me, it doesn't have to be sexy. It just yeah. has to be have a, a line that I like. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, I, if if there's a line that I don't like, I'll sell it because I just don't yeah. like the line. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Here's I, a question for Phil. Yeah. Uh, would you rather have a 919 or a CB 1100? Ooh. Oh shit! I would rather have the 919. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like them. I, that's where I'm at. I don't care if it's newer. I don't care if it's an 1100. I'd rather have the 919. The 919 is better. The CB1100 might be more comfortable. It may be a little bit longer. It may be a little bit more comfy. But the 919 is better in every measurable way. It's like only. It's like 430 or 450 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. With a CB. With basically a CBR 900 motor in it. Yeah. Well, I no no a 919. Look, the Hornet, the 919, all of those bikes, those bikes are fantastic. The only thing they're not good at is comfort for passenger. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where they suck. And that's where the and I, I, I would think that the CB1100 would also be more comfortable on longer trips if you yeah. plan on doing that. The CB1100 is literally the neutral motorcycle. It is the dead standard of dead standards. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the perfectly square boring does everything okay kind of motorcycle but there's you know uh, there's something about that so and then for they made grand, you can get the you know the ncs and the nt 700s right. but they just don't do it for me i mean uh, and they'd be good for two up probably i mean i wanted an nt so badly i mean yeah. i really really wanted to buy an nt and i wrote it yeah and it was so milk toast and so plasticky i couldn't I couldn't buy it. Ninety-nine percent of the time, the CB eleven hundred could be absolutely perfect for me, and then I would have that moment of crisis where I'd say, "But wait, I'm still a virile, somewhat young hooligan asshole kind of guy." And then I would see somebody on a, a Hornet, or I'd see somebody on a nine nineteen or something, and I would feel inadequate about myself. And that's just enough. What about Phil? Do so. I've seen um, some of the uh, Moto Guzzi Stelvios. Yeah. As low as thirty eight hundred bucks. Oh, Stelvios! If you, yeah, dude, you know what? That's a whole separate podcast. Getting into the Moto Guzzi eight valve twelve hundreds, like there is a science to the Moto Guzzi eight dwell eight valve twelve hundreds that did or did not experience the diamond like coating failure. Mm-hmm. We can sure. get into that. It's not going to be in this particular podcast, but 
that is the way to get the absolute most motorcycle for the least money is a Stelvio, a Nordier, or a, of course, my personal favorite, Gritso. Mm-hmm. And if you can get one of those motorcycles that is an eight valve motor that does not have the diamond like coating failure or hasn't already been upgraded rollerized some shop somewhere rollerized problem i'm going to tell you that is one of those motorcycles that you will thank fucking jesus you bought that bike because i like the stelvio i rode the one you had yep i love the color i rode it it was a handful it was fun it was it was a really nice bike it's dope that's a good bike man the stelvio the norje and the grizzo all three of those bikes are magic in their own ways. The Stelvio, a fantastic adventure tour for people who are not going to go off-road a whole lot. And two mm. up would be fucking like... Amazing. Yeah. The Nordier, if you're six foot one and 200 pounds and you want to go literally on a European police motorcycle, which means 150 miles per hour for 300 miles, sure, why not? Go ahead. Um, the Nordier is amazing. That's the bike Americans call the Norge. And... <laughs> It has the hard plastic luggage built into it and everything else and the adjustable windshield. And they're fucking fierce on the power. And then the Gritso is both of those bikes minus 200 pounds of shit. And it's just enough shit there to make it into a motorcycle. And that basically is like King Kong on an acid bender. It's a really weird motorcycle. When you ride it, you're like, oh, this is going to be no problem. And then you let the clutch out and you realize, like, in my life, there has been the Buell M2 Cyclone and the Gritso that I have the same kind of respect for. That they're just fierce. They're just a big, strong V-twin that doesn't really consider your needs as a partner. So... (laughs) Well, yeah, I like Chris's bike too. That California's, yeah, that yeah, bike. It's right behind me. I mean, if you look in the look in the picture, there's one right there. You know, I've got one of those, and I've got the Eldorado version of the California, and I can tell you that is one of the best cruisers on planet Earth. That it might be one of the only cruisers I'd be interested in, and Peggy's kind of likes it because guess who bought one when they first came out? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Ewan. Yeah. Ewan McGregor loves that bike. Ewan McGregor says that that is the greatest motorcycle he's ever owned. And the, the Moto Guzzi 1400 Eldorado has got the combination of classic looks, but modern performance. And it does not acknowledge the existence of Harley Davidson. Mm. It's one of the, I like the chrome on the, that's the chrome tank one. Yeah. It's one of the only motorcycles on the planet that says it's a cruiser, but it does not acknowledge the existence of Harley Davidson. You know, <laughs> I think I think that's it. You have to get an Eldorado. Yeah. I know where you can borrow one. Yeah, man. That's a good bike. Yeah. I mean, I, I could I, add a little bit of money. I could probably get up to like four grand easy. No, I, well, honestly, I, at some point here, I'd be able to pretty much buy whatever I wanted. But Eldorado, I don't know. Right now, if you buy the right Eldorado, remember these things hit the market around $16,000. You can buy the right Eldorado right now for about nine or $10,000. Yeah. You can't buy mine for anything. Mine's going to be fifteen grand, or go fuck your head. But, the, uh, but you can buy Eldorados for nine or ten grand. And I'm going to tell you, that is way better money spent than a lot of other motorcycles that represent a cruiser. Yeah. yeah. So, but. There's also, as, as Steve pointed out, Yamaha stars, you know, Yamaha V stars are magic. And if you don't mind looking like every other fucking, you know, jelly bean in the bowl, 
Go ahead. But, but I do. I, but, I can't but, do that. No, yeah. but I can tell you this though. With a V Star, if you debadge yeah. it, nobody knows what the fuck the bike is. I debadge. It doesn't the- matter. There's nothing that would make me want to go out and jump on my V Star. <laughs> nothing, dude. Yeah. The I problem agree. is, I could never say V Star. Has anybody ever seen the movie Mystery Men? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so Ben Stiller plays the character, right? right? So Ben Stiller plays the character of like you know Captain Furious, right? Right. And he says, people are like, oh, you got a motorcycle. You have a Harley? And he's like, yeah, it's a Harley. Compatible. <laughs> no. And what he's riding in the movie is like a, like a, a Niepner or something, right? He's, he's riding a, an unidentifiable like Ural or a Niepner or something like that or a CZ. But he's like, it's a Harley. Compatible. And right. that is the same deal when people are like, oh, yeah, I got an IBM compatible PC. Like, we grew up with that. It wasn't the real deal. You weren't riding a Harley. You were riding... No, a Harley analog. But here's yeah. the, but here the the per, like so for me my V Star 1100 that I had I loved it was a Silverado and I loved it. Yeah. But it wasn't my main bike. It wasn't right. my identity. It wasn't like I associate with this bike. It's like I want to get on that bike and think I'm on a couch and I'm going to drive to Pittsburgh to go get wings or something sure. back in. The, you know what I mean? Like so that's I, I don't know if that's what John's looking for, but he has a lot of cool bikes behind him. So if he's just looking for something fun to go down the highway with with the wife, that is an option. Because like right. in those moments, you're not really worried about what you're riding. Is it going to yeah. be reliable? Is it going to get you both there? And is it comfortable? You know, yeah. if I was ever going to take the plunge on that on the uh, you know metric cruiser thing, right? The, the Strato liner is the one that actually I was like, this thing is fucking. It's over the top. It's like if I'm going to do it. This yep. is what I'm going to do. And that's exactly the deco right. design, you know. I give you that. All right. Yep. Roadliners, roadliners and stratoliners are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, roadliners and stratoliners are just beautiful bikes. I mean, I think that Yamaha said we are going to have our own identity here. And I think that roadliners and stratoliners just nailed it. You know, the stratoliner being the bagger and the roadliner being the not bagger. Um, they're really good bikes. And, that's a lot you know that's that says a lot i've i've ridden a bunch of them and i owned one for a short while of the roadliners and i've ridden it on trips it's a fine bike it's obscene amounts of cc's i mean jesus christ the amount of motor in that thing is ridiculous but it's a harley imitation machine because it has push rods and it has a separate transmission you know like there's a lot of it that is just like oh this is almost kind of sort of a harley mm-hmm. um but the the art deco styling of it is different than a harley and that's kind of okay too you know there's that it has its own identity there's there's nothing wrong with that john what about what about a uh um uh, rs uh the vt 750 rs so we love that bike, and I'm obviously we drooled all over it at the motorcycle show ten years ago. the The Honda VT750 RS is probably the best thing to ever happen to that weirdo shadow. You know, the weirdo shadow is it's like so right behind me. You guys look over my shoulder. Um, that's a Yamaha Star 650, and that's a Silverado 650 that originally had a windshield and bags and everything. And a friend of mine and. Erie PA bought it and completely Dime City cycles it out. And so this bike behind you is like 
I mean, dude, it's cheap. That's a cheap bike right there. And it's got handlebars that are wider than fuck all. Like, you got to have the reach of an orangutan to ride that thing. But it's a really fun bike to ride around for somebody who wants a bar type, you know, bar hopper. But this is also the same bike, right? This thing right here, right? Uh, no, yeah. that's an RS. That's a that's a VT750 RS, and it's got almost a standard right. riding position. Yeah. Almost a standard right. riding position. And I, I mean, I'd ride one of those. All and day I'm going to say, I mean, they're nice. Yeah, that's fucking cool, man. That RS is the bike that that is what a Sportster used to be. So in the 50s and 60s, that's what a Sportster used to be. A lightweight bike that you could honk around on. You had some decent cornering clearance. And yeah, this was the one time for a very short period of time when Honda built a shadow that was legitimately a fun bike to be an asshole on. Yeah. Now, keep in mind... injected? Yeah. Fuel injected. They were eventually, yeah. But keep in mind that that bike, in the fact that it's a 750, we all have ridden the Shadow 750s, and we all know that a Shadow 750, just like this V-Star 650 behind me, this V-Star 650 behind me right now, is a 7 eighths scale motorcycle. Yeah. So the V-Star 1100 is a full-scale motorcycle. The V-Star 650, the Shadow 750, they are kind of smaller motorcycles. They look like FLHs, right. but they're not full-scale FLHs. You, there's an FLH, and there's a Fat Boy, which is slightly smaller, and then there's the 750 Honda and the 650 V-Star, which are slightly right. smaller still. Right. You know? So these bikes, in so much as they look like they're big twins, they're not big twins. They're slightly smaller twins. Medium. So, have we talked about the SSR Buccaneer Classic? Thank God they are finally admitting here in 2021 that the SSR Buccaneer Classic 250 is no longer available because up until three weeks ago, the 2018 SSR Buccaneer was still on my dealer order sheet. Like I could have fucking ordered one of those brand new and I could have sold you a brand new 2018 250 CC V twin. And it speaks volumes about the absolute failure of a motorcycle that in a time when everybody was running out of motorcycles, no matter what brand you had, you couldn't get them. That SSR still had 2018s available to the public in 2020. So well, their, I, their website looks, makes it look like it's a current bike. It is not current. <laughs> As the guy that orders them in for you, I'll be happy to tell you that the freshest one I could have ordered for you 20 days ago would have been a 2018 and they have been purged from the inventory as of a week ago. So, and I have ridden one and I do think they're adorable for somebody who's five foot two and 126 pounds and they'd be great for that. But I am just too big for it. Well, that was my question is that they don't show any pictures of it that give you any sense of scale whatsoever. They don't, they don't. And in any pictures, if you do find a picture of a human being riding one, it's an Asian person and they're very small. Okay, the Buccaneer, yep. right? Yeah. Is that what you guys are talking about? The Buccaneer. Yep. Okay. So I was SSR Buccaneer. I was doing all, not a Benelli. It is not a Benelli motorcycle. It's I was an SSR. doing all this thing. So here yeah. it is. And there they are. Dan's right. They're yeah. still walking. The See, that's a motor Marini five and a half. Uh, the yeah, the three point five. Three point five. Sorry, 
Yeah, the Motorini 3.5, very similar to this. Um, this is the, you know, this is a 250 cc. They call it a street V twin. Um, you will never find a picture of anybody up close to it, but it's really small. It's not a big motorcycle, and it's. I mean, I have ridden them, and they're fine, but they they. I'm going to say the same thing I always say. Look, if you want to get a 250cc, everyone's going to hand you a Honda Rebel. That's fine. No problem. A Honda Rebel is a Honda Rebel. But somebody's going to give you the keys to a Virago 250, and a Virago 250 is going to feel better because it's a V-twin. And it's got a little more torque to it because it's a V-twin. And this bike has a little bit more torque to it because it's a V-twin. And that's nothing wrong with that. It's totally well, fine. 250 would feel better. Yeah. However, just keep in mind, as much as I love like the TU-250, there's plenty of 250s I really like. But this is a motorcycle that we're going to say 75 to 80 miles per hour is all you can expect. Right. Yeah. And if you weigh more than 200 pounds, take that number down dramatically. But but I say the same thing about the Honda, the whole VT series Honda line. Yep. They run out of lung. Like, I mean, it's like yep. they're breathing heavy up yeah. above 70. I mean, I don't care if it's 1,100cc, you know, 1,300cc. As soon as you get up there, it seems like they're like, they're like, something's the matter. Like, they need an asthma. It's easy. Something. No, but you know what, Phil? No, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say the. I'm sorry. I was Go ahead. My favorite term, my favorite term in the marketing industry for cruisers is they are tuned for the mid-range. Yeah. Well, they certainly are because when they get to the high range, it feels like you need some paddles to, to start their heart yeah. again. But yeah. to fill well, those are probably just two-valve motors, right? They're not four-valve motors. Three-valve. I think they're three-valve. The so the Hondas are three-valves, but I think the Buccaneers two-valves. Yeah. To your point... Do you guys remember ages ago? Do you guys remember ages ago when we had a bike and steep and sleepy can pull it up called the Kimco Venox 250 V E N O X. So we sold, this is a Kimco that we sold liquid cool 250 CC. We sold two of these. Okay. And we were one of the hot Kimco dealers in America. And we sold two of these Kimco Venox 250s. And what I will be happy to tell you is that is the only V-twin motor in my life that I have ever ridden that was magic at 10,000 RPM. <laughs> like, putting it in a, cruiser, in a cruiser bike was the dumbest thing anybody ever did because it did not have torque. Like you want to shift a cruiser and it's, it's big and it's thick. It's got a solid rear disc. Um, it's not a thin bike. Everything on it was heavy and a quality Super component. Sexy. It's kind of... Yeah, and so they did sell this bike in Japan as a 250cc Magna, right? So it's a bike that has really good prestige. It's liquid-cooled. Um, it, it's an eight-valve motor, so it's four valves per cylinder. And, you know, anybody who knows things about Kimco knows that they, they're legit. This is a Taiwan-built bike. It's not a Chinese-built bike. And we sold a good number of these at $4,299, meaning we sold two of them, which puts us in the top, like on what known percent of American dealers. And these were a disaster in the American market because for $4,299, you could buy a whole lot of other motorcycles like a KLR 650. Um, but I was shocked that that bike would hold 85 miles an hour with me on it. No problem whatsoever on the freeway. Mm. 
And that motorcycle was a V-twin two-cylinder that was designed to go 10,000 RPM. Um, a very fun bike. Like, as much as it's hard to look at it, you know, it's, it's a little cruiser. But, but listen, if you so- could tell me I could have a Honda Rebel, a Virago 250, or a V-Nox 250, if I had to take my pick, I would take the V-Nox. But it literally looks like I've had... Pico doesn't get credit for their ATVs. No. I was looking at the Crimco website. They've got a four four fifty ATV for forty one hundred dollars. I'm like, wow, that's it's actually. I mean, and I I believe it'd be a fairly decent ATV. You Pico know, is generally you know the five letters that mean it's just unkillable. But how much? What are you saying, they, Steve? How much did they share? Because like I've had two or three over the years, um, Magna seven fifties, right? And and those yep. the wheels are dead nuts on. Like there's a lot of that bike that looks legit. Like did they share technology with Honda? Or like was back then was Honda dealing with them or what? Well, Kimco and Honda have a relationship. Yeah, Kimco and Honda have a relationship that goes back to the very beginning because the Quanyang Motor Company, KYMCO, that came out of Honda. And that was all about remember that Honda is Japan and that Kimco is Taiwan. Okay. And the idea really, if you go back long enough and you look at the the divestiture between Honda and where Kimco came out of it, Kimco produced all of those Honda's like CB160s. Um, you can find Honda CB160s where the badge says Honda by Kimco on the fucking badge on the gas tank. So that's not that's not that rare. And I mean, this was happening in the 60s. So it is that kind of a thing that we would... We do remind you that Kimco has been the OEM for many, many, um, many, many cool motorcycle companies. BMW, Suzuki, Yamaha, Honda, they have all used Kimco and Kimco did come out of Honda. So uh, that is that's a real thing that, you know, people have to acknowledge that the world is a big place and they're they're not you know, it's not exclusively. Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, and Kawasaki. So that's a that's a, a you know it's a big world mentality. If you have that big world mentality, I've been looking for one of those CB160s for years that has the badge on the side that says you know Honda by Honda you know CB160 by Kimco. Yeah, be- uh, I've seen one of them in my life, but I'm I'm certain that I will see more. So, but yeah, it's a it's kind of an interesting thing. So. They uh they've done many bikes for many people in different markets. Yeah. Cool. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a cool thing. If you get a chance and you you know, looking into the Kimco history is kind of interesting. And remember that in today's market, there's a lot of Kimcos that are made in China. Um, more more Kimcos today are made in China than five years ago. Uh, Kimco is predominantly a Taiwan build. But yes, there's there's been plenty of them over the years that were, you know, uh, sold as being a Japanese product, even though it was made by Kimco in Taiwan. Yeah, I, I guess uh, well, my thing right now is I, and this is totally uh, this is just me. This is off subject. This isn't about Kimco, but I'm going yeah. I've gone from where normally when I sold a bike and I got some good money for it, I would yeah. take one bike and try to turn it into three bikes. Right now, <laughs> I've come full circle. Yeah. Or I'm trying to, you know, sell three bikes and make them into one bike. And maybe I've grown up a little bit. 
Well, and that used to be because you could buy, you could sell one bike and buy three bikes because there were buyers out there that had a chance at getting a carbureted bike running. And honestly, I'll just say it. The average buyer isn't as technically competent as they were 10 years ago. I'm technically competent. I just don't have the time or the energy right. where I used to, you know, I would want to turn, I would buy, you know, I'd take for a little bit of profit. I would mm -hmm. take some money and set it aside. I'd buy a seat, you know, another bike. So it was my next bike that I could sell and stuff, but I just don't want to mess with it. Even this 350 back here, I'm like, Ugh. I'm almost ready to just dump it up, you know, like here, come get it for 500 bucks. Bye. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll be over. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and there's, there's no reason in the world why. Yes, I, boss. <laughs> but I, I just don't think there's anybody, you know, I, we have people coming to the shop all the time and the first words out of their mouth are, is it fuel injected? You know, so the secret's out. Nobody's, nobody's in a hurry to buy a carbureted bike anymore. I can live with car. I can live with carburetors on a C, uh, 305 Superhawk. Sure. Yep. Yep. I can live with a carburetor on my KLR one carburetor. I can deal with that. Yep. You know, here and there, I'm not saying I won't have a carbureted bike, right? But I need a bike that I'd so that I can just enjoy it. So I want a bike that I'm not like sitting there riding it and thinking, Oh, well it needs this. It needs that. Or, Oh, what's it? You know, yeah, this would be so nice if, I'd replace the steering head bearings. This would be so nice if I'd put new set of tires on it. Right. So you, need, so you need the motorcycle equivalent of a fleshlight. Something <laughs> that doesn't complain and just is fucking performance. Yeah. All right. That's it. We need to make a one chip fuel injection system that just plugs right in place of a carburetor. Right. I oh, that, a single body. Like at that 350 right back there. If you could come up with a thing, you know, like a system that had a, you know, a plenum that took two carbs and turned it, put, took an intake within one throttle body yep. with a, you know, just a cheap control unit, maybe put a bung in the, one of the exhausts, yep. an inline fuel pump, you know, feed it right off the tank or something like that. Yep. You could convert bikes for relative, but you're talking that would be a thousand dollars. And then you're putting a thousand dollars on a $500 bike. That and the fact that a Honda 350 could never supply enough electricity to run that system. Also true. That, then you got that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely true. Yeah. And then bring me down, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, you know, I'm on these Japanese mini trucks and stuff. I do these Japanese mini trucks all the time. And, you know, it's getting to be like the bikes, the cars that are 25 years old and older, they have got carburetors on them. And everybody says, so it's, it's like, clockwork you can set your watch every six months somebody comes up on one of the forums and says so if i built a throttle body that could go on a 650 to 550 cc mini truck platform and you would be responsible for all the wiring it would be a kit but you'd be responsible for the map sensor and the o2 sensor and the lambda sensor and if i could put this all together for 800 bucks would you buy it and the answer is no, you dipshit, because the Lambda sensor, the map sensor, and the O2 sensor, and the electrics to run it, that's all the hard part. Like, you're literally doing the easy part. You're making a manifold. And making right. a manifold that accepts an off-the-shelf fuel injector is the easy part. Creating the electricity to run all that shit and to run it at thousands of pulses per minute, that's the problem. And you don't just get that. That just doesn't wake up and show up in your car one day. And you're like, oh, well, I did a, you know, this weekend I did a fuel injection conversion to my 660 carbureted 
you know, four cylinder car, you know? So it, it would never be plug and play. There's that's right. There's it would be, it would never no be, plug that. Yeah. but, well, make, but prove us wrong and make one. Yeah. yeah. It would be easy. It's easier to get a fuel injection system for a Chevy V8. Yes. I mean, they make plenty of kits for that, you Absolutely. know, right off the shelf. That's, that's tried and true and been done a million times. You know, because there's money there. That's right. Right. It is cheaper for me to get a crate motor for my V8 powered General Motors car than it is for me to rebuild the motor in my 250 cc motorcycle. <laughs> and that's real. I've done the math on that. And that's a scary thing. The fact is I can buy a crate motor and do that all for less money than a correct proper rebuild on a 250 or 300 cc multi-cylindered motorcycle. And that's just where the economy is and it's all about what nick says you got to build a thousand of them you got to build two thousand three thousand well, and, and even even then they they do make uh fuel injection conversions for the v8 muscle cars and everything like that but oh, even yeah. then those are those are several thousand dollars yes, they're, they they're not yeah uh, and a, a lot of research and development went into making those kits as idiot proof as possible and i'm sure they still aren't but so well, they have, you can buy like a TBI kit, throttle body injected, like yeah. not too too big of a deal. It was for me when I did years ago when I did the El Camino. The El Camino was, do I rebuild the 350 that was in it, the small block 350 that was in it, or do I buy one out of the crate from Jasper for two hundred dollars more than the best price I could do trying to build it myself? So I bought one in the crate for Jasper, and then it was like, okay, well. I sh should absolutely spend all the money for the electronic ignition because the electronic electronic ignition is going to be a whopping $260 more to provide a perfectly bulletproof, completely adjustable timing electronic ignition for it. And even then, all those years ago, the idea of fuel injection would have only been an extra 1800 bucks. So, eh, I didn't do fuel injection, obviously, and it was fine the way it was, but today's money yes no doubt about it you know but my only thing is i mean i don't know why fuel injection has to be so expensive yeah. you're selling a buddy 170 that's fuel injected i mean the whole bike is 200 bucks yeah i mean yeah. like i can sell you right. a liberty i can sell you a piaggio liberty scooter that we have had not one complaint on in three years that will haul me you know 200 and some pounds at 65 miles per hour with fuel injection and ABS brakes for three thousand bucks, and there you go, Sanch. That's your best. That's probably your best three thousand dollar new bike. It is. See, I think no the retro. Okay, so the retro kits. I think maybe we're approaching this in the wrong way. Right. We want fuel injection to work like fuel injection works now. I mean, like we want it with the O2 sensor and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. Why don't we design a fuel injection system that works? just like a carburetor which eliminates the biggest problem of fuel sitting in the carburetor yeah, so you can do a mechanic mechanical injection somehow maybe i mean i don't know 1960 1960s corvette fuel injection right i'm saying that Old alphas. it's not going to be as accurate but it eliminates all the problems that we really have a problem with carburetors with and it'll perform as well as a carburetor and it'll be well cheaper. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who owns a 1960s or 1970s Alfa Romeo takes right. the spike of fuel injection off and puts a set of That's dual right. Weber carburetors on. Dual Weber's on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying do it even mechanically. I mean, why can't you run it off 
temperature and manifold pressure. That gives yeah. you like 70% of the information you need. Right. I agree. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and there's and TPS, maybe TPS position, throttle position. Yeah. Well, is your, most, yeah. Of your, most of your uh, power consumption is going to be the, uh, the, fuel, the pump. fuel pump, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, but you can't get a vacuum fuel pump that's going to go up to 100 PSI. No, you can't get a vacuum pump that's going to go 45 PSI. Honestly, for most bikes, your best bet is to just completely redo the generator. Yep. Put something modern in and so that it can generate enough electricity to run the fuel pump. Yeah. And that's and that's and and for people who are interested in small motor engineering, when the buddy, when the buddy 125 became fuel injected, it didn't become fuel injected as a 125. It became fuel injected only as a 170. The extra CCs, the extra 45 CCs, they didn't make the bike go any faster. What they did was they provided the extra electricity through the extra large stator and charging system to provide power for the fuel pump so even though the 170 has so much when you think about the percentage you know that's 33 percent more cc's so for 33 percent more cc's to put out ultimately the same power that tells you where all that power went all that power went to provide the electricity to run that fuel injection system and a hand to god i have ridden my share of 170s and i've ridden my share of 125s and they are fucking equal i mean they are the same and that's a good example of it's going to take you on a little tiny motor it's going to take you a lot more power to generate electricity to feed fuel injection so keeping that's a big thing you're like okay well i'm going to start with a 300 cc motor i'm going to add fuel injection to it or i'm going to start with a 600 cc motor i'm going to add fuel injection to it that pump is going to be very thirsty for power and that power is going to cost you horsepower spinning that magnets, spinning the magnet stator and rotor. That's so, why dragsters, they don't have any alternators or anything. They just run a battery just for that. Battery part. only. Yeah. yeah, battery only. Do not. Well, you might as well do that anyway because you built, you just swap out the flywheel and the stator and have an electronic ignition and everything like that all in one. Yep. That'd be your first step. Yep. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's a thought experiment more than anything. It's it's the idea of balancing the advantages. And of course, if you do run a carburetor, there's nothing wrong. I'm we very frequently people think our podcast is anti-carburetor. I'm actually not anti-carburetor. If you can go to the boat dock and buy your gas That's at the boat dock and you put boat gas in your carburetor, my carburetor gas or anti-ethanol. Right. The bikes that I have that, you know, my BMW and some other motorcycles I have that have carburetors in them and some cars that I have that have carburetors in them. I have to make it a fucking special trip to go to the boat dock, buy the gas that's correct for it, and then only use that fuel or I pay the price. So a carburetor can function very, very well as long as you don't fuck yourself, you know? What civilized country burns their food? <laughs> Seriously. Just as, just as a, a thought experiment, yeah. uh, if if someone, you know, there, there's been like the Ecotron's fuel injection conversion system and stuff like that. It's it's all universal yep. in that you need to do a lot of work to, to actually adapt it to what you're trying to turn into fuel injection. Yep. If someone were to make a bike specific system, mm-hmm. and this would be for, for an engine family, say, what 
engine family would they be best suited to make that for? We had. I guess. I guess. What would they be expected to sell the most of? Do you think? Goldwing. Yep. Goldwing. John's right. John's right. The that's where you have it because that motor has plenty of power to begin with. Yeah. Four cylinder, four carbureted, pain in the fucking ass. Yep. If you could replay, take that out and put one single throttle body with a manifold, which mm-hmm. wouldn't be too hard. Yep. That's where that's where you should start. There's enough of them out there to justify your research. There's enough of them still on the road, mm-hmm. owned by people that would be spending the money to do it, so that people mm-hmm. would buy them. Now the second. I think, which I'm wrong, but the second would be the Honda CB35450 Twins platform. So then you'd have every CB from the 350 to the 500, all the parallel twins. You'd be able to build one manifold that worked for all of them. The problem is those bikes are getting too old, and the people that do own them or would want to own them are not generally the kind of people that are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to put a $1,200 item on here to make it better. Um, And they are short on power to begin with, so you're going to have to put a very beefy, very beefy stator on there. My (laughs) second one would be CB750. That's the other that, one. I mean, take a four-cylinder seven inline four. I have a plenum over there that would work. You just need exactly. a throttle body. And the reason you do that is because just shy of the 1.4 million CB350s that were made, in our country at least, the CB750 platform, which would cover the CB650s, the CB750s, and probably into the CB900s, give or take, you'd probably be able to make that work for those that's a very large amount of bikes for many, many years. And we could also have a kit for the KZ 900 and 1000, almost the same throttle body. Same kit. Could go on any one of those bikes. That's exactly right. It's a different plenum. And there's program. enough of them and people value them and they want to keep riding them. Uh, here we go though. You guys are looking at it only from the intake side of things. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the entire system would have to, encompass the electrical system you'd have to to worry about the fuel system so that's that's sort of why i was trying to narrow it down to one specific family the goldwing the goldwing because you have room for a big ugly fuel pump Mm -hmm. the goldwing because you have room for a big ugly stator and company companies already make big ugly stators for goldwing so they can power the heated vests and shit yeah but it's hard to hard to change the stator out in the goldwing yes it is it's There's a major no, that's invasive no procedure. And most of the 1200s, the stator goes bad anyway, so you yeah. might as well just beef it up when you right. change it. So Yep. So for the 1200, it should just be a standard thing. It's like, go ahead and put this stator in because we know yours is shit to begin with. There's never been a good one from the factory. So Except for the, um, the fuel inject, the, the LTDs and the SCIs had a, a better one. Those rarely okay. fail. But Well, I mean, I think from Nick's standpoint, if you're going to go ahead and build one, the Goldwing people have the money to spend. The Goldwing people have the space to put the items you need to support it. And the Goldwing people have the capacity for having a big giant battery and having the extra things that you need for the charging system. And they're suffering the most because they had all those rubber diaphragms and the carbs and stuff, the blow off valves and stuff that prevent backfiring. And it was just a nightmare. Oh yeah. Those things suck. But I think that's where you that's where you put your that's where you put your energy. So we have no Chris uh, Smith for a joke. He bailed out. He died. He bailed. The uh, yeah. So I don't have I don't I personally don't have a joke at this point. But hey, here we are. The uh, for people who uh, didn't get the message, 
Go to uh, gentlemansride.com and sign up for your local distinguished gentleman's ride. If they're not having a gentleman's ride in your area and you want to be a hero, uh, our friend Bex, she did that. I think she got in touch with them and she set up a gentleman's ride for her. Um, even though she doesn't have any wedding tackle, they don't care. They're fine. Uh, whatever your pronouns, pronouns are, they're good with it. Go to gentlemansride.com and get signed up for your local ride and uh, participate on the 23rd of May. Um, we have a special uh, Porco edition of our thing that we're doing, which is, did you watch today's episode, Phil, or yesterday? I did. <laughs> yeah. I did. And you know, what's funny too, is we, you know, sleepy will, you know, adding in a little dancing stormtrooper, adding in a little job of the hut out of nowhere. So it's really fun to watch these videos turn into uh, just silliness. Yeah. And they are, they're great. It, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. I, I thought, what's that? I pulled up some uh, motorcycle one-liners. Oh yeah. What do you call Ooh. a laughing motorcycle? A Yamaha. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A guy on his motorcycle in the back of his shirt said, if you can read this, the bitch fell off. Okay, that's no good. What's the most dangerous part of moving up? What's the most dangerous part of a motorcycle? The nut that connects the seat to the handlebar? Yep. Mm. Riders pick a destination, go. Old riders pick a direction. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Adam's Adam's girlfriend Ruth fell off the back of the motorcycle. He just rode on ruthless. Ruthless. Uh. <laughs> I love my motorcycle. It's great for getting in front of queues quicker. It doesn't always terrify. It does always terrify the other people in the post office, though. Oh. Uh. oh. I have got so yes. Check out Moto Stories with Unky Phil. Definitely. I am going to put a challenge out there, an internet searching insider baseball challenge. There have been rumors that Harley Davidson is not going to bring back the live wire for the next year. Okay. Because Harley Davidson's virtual release of the 2021 model year products did not contain mention of the Bronx and the Pan America and some other bikes that we know they're not doing. And it did not mention the live wire. Now, people called that to their attention. All the motor journalists said, hey, look, you removed some of the electric motorcycles from your website and uh, you didn't mention the live wire 2021 in your press briefing or your release of the 2021 models. So a lot of journalists have inferred by that, that there won't be a 2021 live wire, or, I mean, you'd think there'd already be one out right now because everyone else has the Energica 2021s are out and the zero 2021s are out. You'd think they'd already have that shit out. Fuck. I got 2021 Vespas all up in my shop for the past three months. They renamed it the short circuit. <laughs> Shorts. <laughs> but Here's if you one. Have, what's the difference between Amy Winehouse and a moped? Oh, a, moped, a moped can make it to 30. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> On that, I got to say, ride fast and take chances. You're out of here.